Oh, my God. 
Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nahum Siegel. Welcome to a Thursday. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. We are at Congregation Eitz Chaim in Livingston, New Jersey, and we will be spending the next three hours here with Rabbi Klibanoff and his amazing presidium and membership, and we continue to pray for the safety and security of our brothers and sisters in Israel, and we continue to pray that the one above helps the IDF and the IAF deter and destroy the enemy during these very precious and difficult and challenging times. Uh, I have relatives in Israel that were literally up all night in areas of the country that you would not expect in a situation like this to have to be up all night, but they were running back and forth from their home to their bomb shelter, and I'm sure that that scene is being replayed God knows how many thousands of times each and every one of these nights in the state of Israel. So we continue to pray and we continue to do what we can. Kudos to those who've been taking to the streets in multiple cities around the U.S. and the world uh, to make it known that we care about Israel and we will not back down from our love for Israel and our fight for Israel. And to those who are uh, from our community who've been, uh, who've been transmitting other messages, let's hope that we can have some influence on them and we can get those messages turned around into a, a very positive um, into a very positive message. It's a, it's a shame that that has to happen, but that is part of the battle for Jerusalem and the battle for Israel that's been going on for a long, long time. We are here at Congregation Eitz Chaim. We're actually going to meet people who are very involved in community work, not just in their synagogue here in Livingston, New Jersey, in the ever-growing community, as I call it, uh, which has an amazing past, an incredible present, and a very bright future, especially based on some of the conversations I've had with Rabbi Klibanoff off the air. We'll see what he's willing to share on the air. Um, but in addition to that, they are uh, one of those synagogues. There are some around this country and around the world uh, whose membership is focused on uh, bigger issues, on global matters of real consequence, and they want to get involved and help build and help grow efforts that are uh, helpful to the future of the Jewish people. So we'll meet some of those people this morning as well here at our visit to Congregation Eitz Chaim. Miriam Wallach, of course, is here. Good morning. And helping me kick off this amazing show. Good morning to you. How are you? We are at, um, I don't want to use the word iconic. I don't know if you could use it for a shul that's only, I believe, 16, 17 years old. We'll find out the details later on. But we are in a, in a synagogue and a congregation that's extremely involved and is a, a trailblazer when it comes to um, uh, keeping... Uh, important Jewish causes at the forefront. So today, is as, as themes always develop when we hit the road and go to different places, today is going to be an opportunity to uh, find out more about a growing Jewish community. At the same time, uh, talk about how important community involvement is with one shul and with other important causes. Well, Nahum, you started the show by um, expressing, obviously, your support for our brethren in Israel. I do want to mention that an APAC call to action did come out last night asking people to contact your local congresspeople and show your support for Israel, etc. It is 
it is a very easy online form. I know that a number of shuls have sent it out to their congregants asking people to participate and make sure that Congress stands firmly behind Israel. So I do want to mention that. But I also want to mention in, in terms of discussing community involvement and being big picture thinkers here in Livingston, we discuss a number of times on the Road Trip podcast the opportunities that exist, quote unquote, outside of the New York area to make an impact in the shul in which you are attending, in which you remember, right? That, you know, we talk about a number of times the same the same motif of being a big fish in a small pond, being able to effectuate change, being able to be someone somewhere is so inviting. Well, it's an amazing thing to me that it took me about, you know, around an hour to get here from Woodmere this morning. Obviously, traffic was on my side this morning. (laughs) But this is a community where you can effectuate change. You can be in this pond and be part of the of of a Jewish community where being part of the greater Jewish community is a priority and i think that that is such an important message such an, such an important theme as through today's guest list because there are a number of people on this list who are of a variety of different ages but are all making impacts both on a micro and a macro level here in the Jewish community in the Jewish world and and that's what this community speaks to that's what this shul speaks to. It's not just about what happens in Livingston, New Jersey, and Rabbi Klibanoff, I'm sure, will speak to this. It's not just what happens here, but it's what happens everywhere. We are responsible for each other, and that's something that Congregation Eitz Chaim speaks to directly. Uh, you're 100% right, and while you've been our expert on uh, on Westchester and Long Island, I can lend some expertise when it comes to this area, because the uh, roots of the Livingston community are in Newark and in the uh, uh, Essex County area. Uh, and um, this has been, I mean, I know this because I remember it as a kid, this has been a community that, because of effective leadership, uh, has never neglected the global picture when it comes to the Jewish world. And I, I believe, I honestly believe, that one of the reasons in 2021 we could discuss all of this in a place like this and in a city like Livingston is because of the uh, incredible efforts made in the 30s and 40s and 50s and 60s and 70s. And I think people associated with Kushner would say the same thing, uh, that have led to a really glorious era, uh, both in terms of uh, this synagogue and in terms of Jewish education in this area and in terms of this neighborhood as well. I I don't know what COVID has done. Uh, There's some communities that we wonder if they'll ever recover from the whole COVID episode, and there are others that have thrived during the COVID episode. Uh, I think just by the very fact that we're here, uh, tells us that that's what's happened here. The latter has happened here, that the uh, uh, congregation is, uh, is um, uh, energized and at full strength. Um, uh, but all of these are challenges. All of these are sometimes difficulties, and part of, um, m- part of building a community is getting through those challenges and difficulties. Today, as I said, and you heard me say as we started, Today, I lament the fact that uh, <laughs> that some of my siblings and and nieces and nephews were up all night. I got the notice just before I went to bed that that um, uh, rockets were landing in Petach Tikva, and you're wondering about um, uh, you know people running back and forth uh, to these bomb shelters. You also wonder, you know, Yom Yerushalayim was mm. was Monday, <laughs> a week ago. 
This was not the case. A week ago, things were relatively peaceful. I know that you know in some areas things aren't always peaceful, but and a week ago, Nachum, we haven't stopped talking about Mayron. <laughs> Correct, and 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 it just seems, and I'm trying to impress this upon my own children. It just seems that what's happening now is simply a continuation. There may have been a break, maybe a break since 2014, or a break since the last episode, or a break since that young man was killed after the Mayron a tragedy. Um, whatever it is, whatever break there has been, it just seems again, here we go with the enemy starting a real escalation of violence and our brothers and sisters, literally and figuratively, our brothers and sisters in terrible danger in the Holy Land. So we are praying for our brothers and sisters in Israel and we are praying and we have to continue to transmit this message that everyone has to uh, step up whatever support you give to the IDF, whatever support you give uh, to those who are uh, on the front lines in Israel. It could be Hatzalah organizations that are now so key in, in Israel. It could be any IDF support group, which of, of, which of, of which there are many uh, that we can uh, be supporting. And just to come out with the right statements and to be there with the right messages. Uh, it was frustrating 48 hours ago when our people were not hitting the streets. And then last night, when we, when we witness how young people in the New York area and other cities uh, actually decided to hit the streets and make their uh, their feelings known about what's going on now to our brothers and sisters in Israel, it was really heartwarming. And it's necessary, and it's good to see it's being passed on to the next generation. And uh, And we hope that everybody out there figures out and determines a way to be helpful and productive in this area. And obviously we'll speak more about it through the morning, and uh, tomorrow when Malcolm Holmlines with us, we'll certainly... Uh, speak more about it, but uh, it's so important. We're thousands of miles away from Israel, but there are ways for us to be involved uh, to uh, to effectively um, uh, uh, accomplish positive things on behalf of our brothers and sisters. You know, the other day when we were here for a site visit, when we had come to Livingston um, to Congregation Chaim to meet Rabbi Klibanoff to do a site visit, Rabbi Klibanoff alluded to the fact that, you know, Everything happens for a reason, and the timing of this show has—we've tried to get this show off the off the ground a number of different times. We got coveted. Yes, indeed. I didn't realize that was a verb, oh, yeah. but yes. Um, and so the the timing of this show, however, has worked out for so many reasons. But I honestly think that it is bashert that we are here this morning because. Activism is something that is a priority here in this shul. And you're, you have your own call to action right now. You're asking people to support and to show their support for, for Israel, for our brethren in Israel, to do what we can on, on any level, on, in any possible way. And we're going to, again, speak to people who know what it is to be active, to, who know what it is to speak up on behalf of their Jewish brethren, who know what it is to fight. And I... I I can't I can't imagine how this date, how the timing of this program from this location with this guest list in this shul could have worked out any better. No such thing as coincidence, huh? Absolutely not. More coming up. We're at Congregation 8 Chaim. We're in Livingston, New Jersey. Big day for us. If you're not visiting us in Livingston this morning, you can visit us in Lakewood at the Deluxe Bistro coming up on Madison Avenue in Lakewood at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. We'll be there for a live lunch. I thank Lawrence Margolin and his staff. He'll be welcoming us in Lakewood, New Jersey, believe it or not. Destination Dining in Lakewood. Whoever, By the way, yeah, oh, I'm sorry to interrupt. Just, they're, they're opening early. And they're opening early right. at 11 a.m., so make sure to come by 
enjoy a brunch or a lunch as we broadcast from there. Avram Fried is next. We're at Congregation 8 Time. We're in Livingston, New Jersey. Keep on listening and keep on praying. This is JM in the AM.
thank my creator for giving me another day, another day on this world. And I sing, J.M. in the A.M. Arye Kunstler Modani. Avram Fried before that, Itcha Ani. I am with you. It's a message that we hope we are uh, transmitting all through this week and obviously all through this morning. Uh, we are with our brothers and sisters in Israel, certainly in our thoughts and prayers, but I hope in a more practical manner as well as we think of creative ways to demonstrate our support and to actually support our brothers and sisters in the Holy Land. Rabbi Sam Klibanoff is the spiritual leader. He is the rabbi of Congregation Eitz Chaim. He is uh, welcoming us this morning to his beautiful congregation. Uh, minutes before Shacharis starts, before their daily minion commences, Rabbi Klibanoff, thank you for welcoming us and welcome to you to JM in the AM. Thank you very much. Glad to have you here, finally. Finally is right. Here we are in Livingston at Eitz Chaim. We've talked about this show for quite a while, and it's finally materialized, thank God. Uh, the Lord has his ways, and we're just ones to follow. Yeah, nothing, uh, no such thing as coincidence. So it's eight years for you at the helm of this congregation, uh, and I'm wondering what you thought on day one, what you thought about the possibilities of the growth of this community and the involvement in Jewish causes that this congregation had displayed up until that point, but the potential for the future when you first started? Well, when we came here eight years ago, um, it was a big move for our family. Our oldest daughter was going into eighth grade. 
which you can imagine is a difficult transition for any young woman. She's now, by the way, in Israel studying in yeah. Herzliya, in a bomb shelter in, in Herzliya of all places. So, uh, you know, that's all on our minds now. And, you know, this yeah. is almost, almost secondary. But um, we knew it was an incredible opportunity uh, career-wise for our family, education-wise for our children. And I didn't really know, I didn't grasp the enormity of the involvement in the Jewish community that the membership here has. And it has definitely uh, made an effect on me. Um, it's led me to take more leadership positions in the Jewish world. And um, it's just something that we are incredibly, incredibly proud of. And, you know, our humble little shul here, um, I call it kind of like the, the Chihuahua shul. It's tiny but mighty. <laughs> <laughs> if I could steal a phrase from Hollywood. But, uh, but you know what? We, we, we quietly, in our own way, uh, we have a very, very huge impact uh, on what happens in all over the Jewish world. There are certain organizations and causes um, that when one gets involved with them formally, uh, they can make a big difference. The reason I say it like that is there are many people in this audience, rightfully so, who always think everything has to be at a grassroots level, who always think that when one joins the quote-unquote establishment or established causes and organizations, they won't accomplish as much. You are a testimony, and your congregation is testimony to the opposite, that when one does get involved in established communities or established organizations, I should say, uh, they can affect change, and they could bring really positive messages and positive growth to those groups. With that in mind, did you walk in here to the congregation, Eitzchayim, with a vision of doing more with JNF, of doing more with Israel Bonds, of doing more with IDF organizations, or has this just been you know, an evolving uh, process over the years? Well, my focus when we came here was the shul, and that's always my main focus. Is Obviously, it's the shul and the community, but... As a, in Gemara Lash, you might say, Mimela, or it was a natural outgrowth of our involvement here is being involved in other organizations, which, by the way, was something that was stated at the outset that that's something that is important here in the shul, right. uh, to be involved in other organizations and to encourage that. And indeed, we have. Um, but obviously, by focusing on the membership and growing our membership and making sure that our shul can be the best that it can be, a natural outgrowth of that, as I said, is being involved in other organizations. And there are many, and I've, uh, whether it's here in Israel, all over the world, um, I've had the opportunity to travel to Israel many times with organizations as a result of our involvement, uh, to have impactful uh, meetings in Washington, D.C., let's say, uh, with our lawmakers. And as you mentioned, the uh, APAC alert that was sent out, that was sent out to our shul, and everybody signed it, and, and, and they said that even Senator Menendez's line was uh, not taking messages anymore. Um, because good of to that. Hear. So, yeah, that's very good. So this is um, this is just part of, of who we are, what we do. But uh, when I came in, you know, I, I my focus was let's let's work on the shul. The rest the rest came uh, soon after. All right. So tell me about the shul. I mean, we know there's a daily minion. It sounds like we still, based on what you told me off the air that there's serious adult education here. Uh, we know that there are always special guests coming in, not just to teach, but to you know spread positive messages when it comes to Torah study. I mean. I would assume that that's at a much higher level than when you first started. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. We've, we have tried to put our finger on the pulse of the congregation and the needs of the congregation. And not every program is for every group. So first it takes a while to understand who we are, figure out our identity. And once we have a good handle on that, now we can figure out, well, that's, this is how we get our community to grow together collectively and to be better. 
and through educational programming, through uh, activism programs. But really, the, the most important thing is that when someone comes into shul, and it's something as simple as greeting someone you don't know, which, sad to say, is something you have to tell people to do. Yeah, it's not commonplace. Here, you don't have to tell people to do that. Um, and people have all different types of backgrounds, different levels of education, different levels of observance, but that's never a deterrent for anyone to come into shul and to feel comfortable. Uh, and we try our very best. Um, obviously, this is, you know, we, we, we have our, our, our principles and we have our uh, kind of ways of doing things, but ultimately speaking, we want everyone to feel welcome here. When I spent Shabbos here years ago, which I still thank you for, I remember the Friday night dinner here was very familial. It was a very close-knit group. I know a lot of shuls can say that, thank God. But it was, it was obvious to me that there was a, uh, a, a real feeling of camaraderie here in the congregation. That, that happens to be probably, if I had to put in top three uh, most attended favorite programs that we ever run on a regular basis is the Friday night dinners. When you could have 200 people in our beautiful uh, ballroom just celebrating Shabbos together. And that's actually one of the things we've missed greatly from COVID. Mm-hmm. We're first having, we're going to have our big fundraiser. It's going to be outdoors. But the, the theme is everyone getting back together uh, on June 9th. So that's really an incredible opportunity for us. And people are really looking forward to that event because they just want to be together. It's people who just like spending time together. Um, it doesn't matter if there's, there's a guest speaker, there's not a guest speaker. Even if there's no guest speaker, just to come together for Friday night dinner families, children, and people step up and volunteer and set it up. Kids have a great time, and it's just a, a, we love, we love having those. June 9th, that's happening. It's in regular outdoor barbecue, and people have an opportunity to reunite if they haven't reunited yet. It does seem like there's some, some action here. It does seem that there's uh, uh, plenty of members who have returned, and your daily minion is strong. So thank God COVID, COVID didn't defeat AIDS high, and that's for sure. Not at all. We just, we just found ways to adapt. Um, so obviously when we were closed uh, up until June 4th, um, we found ways of reaching everyone, obviously, digitally. Right. Um, we couldn't have in-person Minion. And then once we resumed on June 4th, we were outside most of the time. We have a beautiful uh, tent in the, back, in the backyard on our back patio. Uh, we came inside for Shabbos. We followed every regulation to the T with masking, distancing, uh, all sort of sanitary regulations, and slowly but surely following the regulations of our governor, um, who has been incredible, really, with the houses of worship here in New Jersey. And now we're, we're at no limitations virtually. Um, we still follow them. You know, just because we're allowed doesn't mean we do it. Right. And we try to find the level, the highest level that makes everyone comfortable, because obviously there are going to be different sides of, uh, of every coin and, and the COVID issue. But we have had every single week more and more people. We've been able to have simchas, bar mitzvahs. We had a, a, a you'll see Samantha Migdal's coming in. Her son's bar mitzvah was two weeks ago, Pashas Emor. And we had almost 200 people safely spaced in the sanctuary because we could open it up and go into the ballroom. And we had uh, an incredible, incredible simcha. We just resumed Kiddush. Oh. Which is a big deal. Oh, yes. Uh, you know, so you know, the, the favorite three words that you can hear is Kiddush following services. <laughs> right? So, uh, but we, we, we've, we've actually become, I think we've become stronger because of COVID. Rabbi Klibanoff is here. He's greeting us as we kick off our show from Congregation Eitz Chaim here in Livingston. And finally, for this segment, you know what's going on in Israel. Um, some of us are somewhat removed from Israel because it's been a while since some of us have been to Israel. You did mention you have family there now. So what are your thoughts as uh, Israel goes through these challenging times? Uh, first of all, it, it, it pains me the most that I can't go. Right. 
in normal situations, I actually have people have called me Rav Milchama, because whenever there was a war or rockets going, I was on a plane going. So I here think we actually met there at that yes, time. Yes, yes, we did, right. and and uh, I used to go with Yad Eliezer always. Right. Uh, I spoke yesterday with Mark Provisor from One Israel Fund, right. and he knows like to call us and we want to get something done. And I would go with our friend here, Alan Shaw. We would just hop on a plane and go. So that's A, is I, I, I feel horrible that I'm so disconnected. But at the same time, we have to do our part here in Chutz Laaretz to get people to understand, to get the right message out there, um, to daven, uh, to understand what's going on, and to understand the plight of people who, by the way, I've heard stories of people in Tel Aviv who don't have bomb shelters in their buildings, right. so they have right. to go to Ranana, they have to go to other places, other cities, and they're not, just not used to this. And, you know, we can't get used to it ever. We can't get too familiar with saying, oh, people have to run away from bombs. Um, and we have to use our voices, and especially with our lawmakers, I think is, is, is so crucial. And if people haven't done so, they really, really should. That's why the APAC alerts are so vital and why everybody has to get involved. Do what you can, everybody, whether it's taking to the streets like many did last night in many cities in the diaspora or whether it's contacting APAC uh, and finding out how you can uh, directly speak to your uh, uh, representatives and uh, U.S. senators or whatever the case might be. Get as involved as possible. Ask your own rabbi about what the, your congregation is doing uh, to advance the support for Israel. Rabbi Klobodov, we'll speak more later, and I thank you for greeting us here, and it's great to be here. here. And it's great to have you here. Uh, you guys look incredibly uh, comfortable and well-placed here in our shul. Nice. Okay. There you go. We're going to have to check out Livingston, New Jersey, everybody. That's right. As we're doing this morning right here at JM and the AM. More coming up from Congregation 8's Chaim as we uh, continue. Lots of special guests between now and 9 o'clock. Our live lunch from Lakewood, New Jersey from Deluxe Bistro on Madison Avenue. Weekly update tomorrow with Malcolm Honline. Make sure to be tuned in. It's an important news week. Plenty coming up if you keep it here at JM and the AM.
One of our themes for today, Yachad, togetherness, as we think of our brothers and sisters in Israel, we continue to pray for their safety and security. And um, we also pray, of course, for the uh, IDF and the IAF to effectively deter and destroy the enemy that's trying to destroy our brothers and sisters. Thursday morning on this 13th of May, the 2nd of Sivan. Today is day number 46 in the counting of the Omer. That's 46, six weeks and four days. We forgot to count last night. Make sure to do so sometime today. What's the weather like now? Homewell, 48 degrees, partly cloudy and a high of 71. Tonight, the low of 49. And tomorrow, mostly sunny and a high. Erev Shabbos, 75 degrees. 76 right now in Yerushalayim. 48 in Livingston, New Jersey, where Mrs. Sarah Klibanoff, the Rebetzin, the Rabbanit, uh, the boss, according to some of the people here, uh, is joining me as uh, we uh, continue to broadcast from Congregation Eitz Chaim. Mrs. Klibanoff, what a pleasure to welcome you to JM in the AM. Well, welcome to Eitz Chaim, Nachum. It's so nice much. to have you. I appreciate that. Tell us your... I was Dr. Sarah Klibanoff. I apologize. Just today, it's just, you know, I always say not late to dinner. Oh, so I can get away with it today? Yeah, I any, can say any, Mrs. and get away with it? You can get away with anything Thank you want, Nachum. Thank God. You know? now I, I feel so much better. Uh, I don't have to wait three hours to apologize uh, yeah, to you yeah. now. This is wonderful. <laughs> Thank you know you. what? <laughs> Thank you for making me feel so uh, welcome. <laughs> we're so happy to have you. I appreciate that. Dr. Klibanoff, what were your impressions eight years ago when you first stepped into Livingston, New Jersey? Good morning, Saul. Good morning. Uh, he's one of my faves. Um, that was Mr. Saul Eckstein, a spectacular uh, person. Um, so I, I always say that I was raised in uh, 
much more yeshivish background. So I think good morning. I, I should stop saying good morning to everyone that walks in, right? This is highly inappropriate. I mean, you don't, anyway, to, you don't sta- have to stop. It's just, we're you know. standing in the vestibule in the front of Shul. I don't know who picked this location, Rabbi Klibanov. Honest, honestly, it's the, best, <laughs> it's the best location until we get a guest like you. Oh, so I feel like I'm the welcoming committee. I get to say hello to everybody at 630 in the morning. Anyway, um, and so um, just to take you back a little bit, I, I don't know. They're like very from girls didn't I never really went to shul growing up I don't know if that's a thing so um, it's certainly a thing in some places it's certainly a thing in some places and so then we got married and I started coming to shul and I was like this is unbelievable but when you come into Eitz Chaim um, I call it a jewel box meaning it's such a spectacularly special place and I was blown away by the quiet, humble way that, good morning, that everybody just gets things done. And I felt it was a perfect shidduch for my husband, who um, really felt the importance of, he feels his role in life is to take care of his congregation and his shul. And I think that that's what he sees as his mission here and i think that that's why it was such a good shidduch and uh worked really well for all of us dr sarah klibanoff with us so if if this role that you're exhibiting this morning is one of your main roles and it does seem that way that you are you know as a representative of your family the first family of the shul somebody who's very social someone who no doubt always has guests and encourages people to interact the last year must have been quite a challenge for someone like you um, it was definitely challenging. Um, it was, I think, challenging for everybody. Um, I say this all the time. I, I work in Midtown Manhattan, and even people who had jobs and had health care and, like, were able to pay the bills and, you know, had what to do, I think everybody was crushed. So I think that on any level, um, it was extremely difficult. And for sure... Everybody who looks towards their community and towards their shul to, like my husband mentioned, those Friday night dinners, it's such right. a fabric of who we are here. It's like, it really is a big family, and it, it sounds cliche, but it's actually not. I walk into shul in the morning, and thank God we have a bunch of girls, and it, it takes a minute to get everybody dressed. Nobody can find their socks. Nobody can find their shoes. There's a lot of balagan, but by the time I get here... It's such a joy to walk in the door. It's like you're seeing all your old friends again every Shabbos morning, and you just want to hang out. And my husband kind of yells at me, come home, come home, I'm starving. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) You know, he could also put the food (laughs) off the blech, but whatever. (laughs) It didn't have that on my topic Uh, list for today. No, no, no. So this whole aspect of the, I mean, we talk about the the, the Kiddush and the dinners, etc. Obviously, the most important thing about shuls happening right now in the sanctuary. And that's, of course, the morning minion, and we know that's the most important thing. But all of the, the other 50% of synagogue life, which we saw on pause for the last year, people don't realize how vital it is. And I sometimes think that someone in your position, right, as the first lady here in the synagogue, wow. you, you, you would appreciate it and understand its importance even more than the rabbi. Um, well, I appreciate that, Nachum. But I... I, uh, I I think that there are like so many um, spectacular levels to to the shul. And I I agree. I think that I didn't even realize how much I missed it. Um, 
And it's a joy to see. I say everybody's like coming out from under the rocks, you know, like right. slowly people are coming back to reemerging, <laughs> reemerging into society. And thank God. And uh, it's it's a joy to be here with with everybody at a time. All right. It's so now what joy. would you say to people who are listening who have not heard of Livingston or wonder if it's a place that they should put on their tour of communities when they're looking, you know, where to bring the family? You mentioned obviously you have a family and you mentioned how the, the children, thank God, have acclimated well. Um, what would you say to people who are exploring communities? I think that's a great question. And so um, I think the beauty of Eitzchayim is that it's um, – I should have, I should have thought about this before I came on the air for the exact <laughs> words, but either way, um, what I want to say about Eitzchayim is that it's, it's just beyond our wildest dreams, meaning when we came here for Shabbos, I understood that it was a special place, but – the beauty of Yitzchayim is that it's not all show and no substance. I think it's exactly the opposite. I think it's so much premius, like so much... Um, inner goodness. Inner goodness, thank you. Hey, um, <laughs> and not so, hey, look at me, hey, look at me. And I didn't really understand the depth of that. It's on so many levels. For instance, I couldn't even believe how great, let's say the day schools have been right. um, over this past year. So our kids are in Joseph Kushner Hebrew Academy. First of all, my kids know so much, they know way more than me. Half the time they ask me questions, I have to go to the next room and Google it and come back in. And like, you know, my education wasn't terrible, but it wasn't that great. Um, and so, and, and Samantha's standing here, you're going to hear from her. She's our spectacular um, head of the children's uh, committee. Good morning, guys. And she, her kids go to Golda Ock Academy. They've all oh. done these amazing jobs at keeping our kids in school this year. And the kids are so educated, both in Lemude Kodesh and both in Lemude Chol. And also um, their love of Israel and their understanding of the past and the future. So to answer your question, and I'm circling back, is that... Um, if you're looking for a place, like Miriam said this morning, that you can make an impact um, on so many levels of Jewish life, but not giving up on any of the other values that are important, um, I think that's what a time is. There are so many people here who do such tremendous work, but you're never going to see them standing on the corner screaming and yelling. Right. That's just not how it's done. It's always... Let's figure out what needs to be done. Let's do it. Let's not like schmadre around and figure out like 800 ways. Let's just get it done. And that's the beauty of Eitz Chaim. If you really want to make an impact in Jewish life in general, um, and if you want to raise your kids in a beautiful Jewish environment, um, I think this is the place for And you. I know a couple of examples that have happened over the last few weeks, including before Pesach and including now with Israel's situation, that follow exactly the formula you just mentioned. I don't think anybody here would want me to say it on the air, but they jump into action and immediately get things solved. Finally, um, the rabbi mentioned that your daughter's in Israel. Um, you know, and now we know that our brothers and sisters in Israel, and obviously you feel much closer to the situation now because your daughter's there. Uh, I... Something like this can leave you speechless. Is there anything you would say to the greater Jewish community about having children in Israel and being this connected to our brothers and sisters there? Um, I'm so thankful, and I feel so proud of having um, 
my daughter there. She was uh, in the car with one of her friends, and she said that all her friends are calling up to try and get back into the army, like all these kids. She's like, Mom, we were on the phone all morning. So I said, Rahili, do you want to go to the army? She's like, no, Mom. I'm like, all right. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> but um, it's... It's really unbelievable, and I'm so thankful for that. And I really want to thank you, Nahum, because back in April, I had to like stop listening to the news. It was giving me so much anxiety. But you are the fabric of our family's news and information. Um, I read the papers. That way I can like just scan what I want to see. But you are... Um, the environment in which my kids every Friday morning know that I have to like turn the Kugel blade off in order to hear um, Malcolm Holine to figure out what's going on in Israel. So I really thank you for that, for filtering it and distilling it for us and giving us so much information all the time and keeping us connected um, to all the causes in walks our president. I'll have a chance to speak with you later on. Yes. Thank you for everything that you do. I mean that. And my husband always says you're the rabbi of... Many, many shuls, and we appreciate all the great work that you do. I thank you for that as well. Dr. Sarah Klubinoff, she is the Revinson here at Congregation Eitz Chaim in Livingston, New Jersey. We are in Livingston, and Samantha Migdal is with us, a mother of two, a board member here at the shul, and what she might be most proud of, she chairs the youth department here at Congregation Eitz Chaim. A pleasure to welcome you here. Good morning. Good morning. Nice Nice to to have you. you. I appreciate that very much. (laughs) Tell me about... The youth department, because people wonder if established Jewish communities, and this one is a historically established Jewish community, still have active youth departments. How would you describe yours? Um, I would describe ours as a a focal point for the shul. I think the rabbi, um, the president, and all the sort of senior lay members of the shul are very focused on the next generation, as most people should be. And so there is a lot of time, a lot of focus, a lot of money put towards programming, even during COVID. What we did during COVID with our fabulous youth directors, Jacob and Miriam Schwartz, would blow your mind if I could go through a roll call of the things that they've done. Well, mention a couple of them. Let me mention a couple of them. I mean, for Purim, right? Purim was sort of, we started to get back into shul. And so we, the rabbi had, I think, three or four sessions of Megillah reading so that we, everyone was COVID safe. Um, but our youth directors didn't want the kids to go without that Purim Carnival because I grew up, I'm sure you grew up with <laughs> the Purim Carnival. Of course. But we couldn't do it the way we normally do it. So they literally had a drive-up carnival where they literally did a carnival in a box. They set up a photo booth. They set up a balloon person. So literally, if you were, you know, you couldn't bring your kids because they were too small. You would drive up, you'd get a box which had the tickets, it had the prizes, it had the candy, it had the soda, the things that the parents don't want them to have, but all the kids <laughs> want to have, and the rabbi wants them to have. Wouldn't be a carnival without it. Wouldn't be a carnival without the garbage. Um, they got to take pictures, they got balloon animals, and it was as we gave them the perm that they should have. A lot of creativity during a lot, COVID, A though. lot of creativity, a lot of love, a lot of excitement, a lot of, you know, what we tried to do is to say, Let's, ha- let's have these kids have an experience without COVID. How can we bring them into shul when they can't come to shul? Because what's fascinating about this place, and I've been a member for three and a half years, is the kids want to come to shul. When I was a kid, I didn't want Unlike Sarah, I had to go to shul. I didn't want to go to shul. Here, the kids want to come to shul. Um, we moved to, you know, you asked Sarah earlier, you know, when they came here eight years ago, what right. brought them here? We moved three and a half years ago, not from very far away, but what brought us here was, you know, 
a lot of the families that we knew, uh, my kids, as Sarah mentioned, my kids go to Goldock Academy. So where we moved didn't really matter because they right. weren't changing schools. But literally, like, my son's friends were like, you have to move here so you can go to Eitzchayim. You have to move here. They were probably nine at the time. Um, so it's just amazing that you have such enthusiasm from the smallest to the oldest of this place. It's something I've, I've never seen. Samantha Migdal is with us. Boy, you, you raise a, a point that I hope uh, people who are listening understand its importance. We have to focus on getting kids to want to go to shul. <laughs> right. And the greatest tribute you just gave to the youth directors here is that they are part of a team that, mm-hmm. that, that instills this desire in children to be in shul. Um, I I know, as you're saying, how you didn't like to go to shul. I'm thinking back to the days when I had no choice but to sit for three hours in the mm-hmm. front row of shul and never move. And I was wondering if this would ever change in my <laughs> life. It, it's much different today, thank God, uh, in terms of the uh, the activities and the way that people uh, treat the youth. The um, and then is there a um, is there a way you could describe you? I mean, you mentioned Goldox, and that's uh, obviously one of the great schools here. But there, there are a lot of great schools here, and it's and people always want choices, etc. I mean, th- that must be a big advantage when someone's looking for a community and they have different options of where to send their kids. And, and all of them, it seems, every school that's mentioned in these conversations in this area seem to be really good choices. Yeah, I I think that the the systems that they have here for kids to go to school are fantastic. You've got Goldox, you've got Kushner. And even outside of those, the public school system is very good. And so we have families here who are not just Kushner, not just Goldaak, but also public school families. And what they get from this shul is so valuable and so meaningful. And I think what's very special about this place is that the rabbi and Rebbitzin don't focus on any one type. I'm using air quotes, which you, I realize now you can't see because we're on the radio. Um, you know, any one type of family or child. It's all-inclusive they're able to to get to every single uh, again speaking as sort of someone who's on the you know chair of the youth committee right. to get to every single kid no matter what age no matter what educational background no matter what is done at home or is not done at home there is something very special about this place about those two people that it's so hard to put into words you know i my son had a, a bar mitzvah here was it last week? It feels like it was forever ago. The Maybe two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, and I tell you, I was sitting trying to figure out what were the words to describe what this place meant to us. And, you know, people who know me can tell you words come easy for me, sometimes too easy. And I really struggled to get the words out because there is something that there are no words to articulate how special this place is. The warmth, the love, the encouragement, the you know, the, it sort of rehabilitates something in you that you didn't have, that or that you may have had that you you want to bring back. And Mazel Tov to your son. What's his name? Simeon. Simeon, Mazel yeah, Tov thank to you. you. <laughs> the amazing, I'm sure the celebration was incredible. And it must be fantastic to be back in synagogue. It must be fantastic to see more and more people each week Absolutely. and to realize that there's, the vibrancy is back and that uh, and that the, the, the shul is, is ready to move on from this crazy year-long episode that we have. Yeah, Um Definitely is. We're seeing a lot more people in shul. And, you know, the rabbi has done so much, you know, during COVID when we couldn't, when the doors were locked, unfortunately, and he did these daily sort of, (laughs) these daily rituals, which you would watch, which you ordinarily might not. Something about that made you want to come back to shul more. Longing for it. Yeah. And so when the doors opened and only a few people could come in, people were coming in. 
and we were getting the minimum, the, sorry, the maximum number of people you could get, right? We were sort of busting at the COVID seams, if you will. <laughs> um, and now it's even, it's, it's, it's fantastic. People want to come back to this place. It's, we're having sort of the opposite effect, I think, that people are worried about because of how special this place is. Samantha Migdal, I appreciate you joining us here this morning. And a, a rabbi once said to me, the most important thing about a shul is to make sure that Jewish children are having a good time. And it right. seems like you're leading a committee that takes that very seriously. Yes, we are. Thanks Thank so you. Much Thank you so us. much. A pleasure. More coming up. You are listening to a Thursday morning edition of JM in the AM as we continue on this uh, uh, special broadcast from Congregation 8 Chaim in Livingston, New Jersey. Big day for us. Remember, after our... Uh, uh, a conclusion of our program this morning in Livingston. We're heading down to Deluxe Bistro down on Madison Avenue in Lakewood, New Jersey for our Thursday live lunch. More coming up. You're listening to JM and the AM.
Selection is entitled Yachad, done by Uri Davidi. The theme of today, well, one of the themes of today is, of course, Yachad. Togetherness, especially as it relates to our brothers and sisters in Israel. And this is America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program, heard on listener-sponsored digital radio, around the world, the web, and NachumSiegel.com, and the NachumSiegel Network, and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Lots of special guests checking in with us this morning, both uh, here live and in person, and, uh, of course, uh, via telephone as well. And uh, one of the people who we love speaking to uh, when we get an opportunity to do so is uh, Dr. Erica Brown. Dr. Erica Brown is director of the Maybrook Center for Jewish Education and Leadership and an associate professor of curriculum and pedagogy at the George Washington University. Erica has a daily podcast entitled Take Your Soul to Work, author of 12 books on leadership, the Hebrew Bible, and spirituality. Uh, Dr. Erica Brown, a pleasure to welcome you back to JM in the AM. Oh, it's so nice to be with you, Nachum. And yeah, the reason... It's been a while. It's been a while. Yes, it has been a while. Good to hear your voice. Good to hear your voice. <laughs> I thank you for that. And the reason that we've scheduled you for this morning is because you are going to be spending the holiday of Shavuot, please God, right here at Congregation Eitz Chaim. I will be. I will be. I, I have worked as a community scholar for the past two years, obviously, this year at Eighth Climb has been harder. We've done a lot of studying virtually, and I just miss everybody. I can't wait to see everybody. Yeah, it must be uh, interesting for you to finally get back into the, the main ballroom, so to speak, and the sanctuary to speak instead of being on Zoom and other uh, forum like that. Um, have there been uh, a lot of lectures via Zoom and remotely over the last year? Um, well, I mean... Personally, in, in, in my, or I should say professionally in my world, some I sometimes in, you know, two to four classes a day wow. um, and sometimes multiple times a week. And I have to say, I there's one thing I love about Zoom, which is you really see people's faces very closely and their names very closely. And there's a real panim el panim, sort of face-to-face intimacy around teaching. But having said that, there's nothing like just being in the presence of people, you know, and and also there's those sharp, abrupt leave takings, right? Where you just, you know, it's, it's you're on the hour, you press end meeting for all, and everybody disappears. <laughs> so at least at a time, I'll just be walking around talking to people and uh, you, being with uh, one of my favorite rabbis and rebbitsons. You will have to do some post lecture Q and A here on the spot that you can't avoid. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Erica Brown is with us. All right, can we get a preview? Can we get the titles of what you plan on speaking about on Shavuot? Can we get a little taste? of what you'll be bringing to Congregation Eitz Chaim? Um, sure. Um, actually, I would say um, my, uh, you know, I, I, this is a spoiler alert, by the way, for anyone right. in, the, in the shul. Understood. Um, I, I'm going to talk about um, hugs and the Book of Ruth and COVID. Um, I think one of the things that we know and there's been research on is the is the absence of, of tactile contact with people. And during COVID, and that's been particularly hard for homebound seniors uh, who are isolated and have been isolated for so many months. Even those weak ties of seeing people in a supermarket or in the dry cleaner, all those are gone for people. And just little acts of touch, you know, um, putting hands on a shoulder, it has started to feel very, um, you know, it, it's it's been hard to achieve. And one of the things, Nechem, I'm very struck by is we actually have a bracha 
the Gemara talks about the bracha that you make when you don't see someone in 30 days, but when you don't see someone for a year, you make a machaye hametim who revives the dead. And it's so interesting. I know a lot of people, if they haven't had a persimmon in 30 days, they are making that Shechianu bracha, but they don't necessarily make it on people they haven't seen. And now, I, mean, I, I, I never thought I'd come to a time when I hadn't seen someone in, in a whole year. Um, so I'm going to talk a little bit about that bracha, in, really in the context of the role that Ruth plays in Naomi's life, um, the idea of clinging and, you know, and, and, and that the hug is such a, is such a gesture of of companionship and 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 yearning and being with someone and um, I'm going to sort of trace the roots of davak uh, from the beginning in Brashit Bed in Genesis two um, through the Book of Ruth and other other instances of hugging in Tanakh because I think the hug I think that hug brought us to King David. It's unbelievable. I, I I honestly thought that the Machayim Asim thing was a joke. I didn't realize it's a real Gemara, which I'm ashamed to say. Um, you know, because people do at, at times joke when they haven't seen someone in a while. They'll say, you know, Machayim Asim. But I never even thought of a Shechianu for someone I haven't seen. I, mean, I haven't seen my siblings in Israel, for instance. When I reunite with them, I have an obligation, likely, to actually say a Shechianu based on what you're saying. And that yeah, and I that mean, emphasizes for us the importance of personal relationships. Yeah, and I, you know, I. I went to New York a few weeks ago when I was uh, fully vaccinated uh, to drop my daughter off at Stern. And uh, I, I saw five friends and I just want to describe Nachum, the experience of hugging one of those friends and each of us making a bracha on each other and just crying. Uh, we've been through an awful lot. And, you know, um, I, you know, you think about close friends and, and friends you learn from and friends who've improved your life. And I, I think of, you know, of, of, of Sam and, and Sarah Klibanoff. These are, these are people I, I'm going to make a bracha on. I, I can't wait to see them. Wow. Yeah. Well, it's well-deserved. They are amazing people. And I'm so glad that Rabbi Klibanoff has been in my life for many, many decades. And I've gotten to know his Rebbeton as well as I have. Dr. Erica Brown with us. She'll be here at Congregation Eitz Chaim and Livingston, New Jersey, for the holiday of Shavuot. Finally, uh, uh, how about another word about David Amelach? You know, we know it's his yard site on Shavuot, or at least our tradition tells us that. Uh, tell me something about his personality or something we can learn from him going forward um, uh, yeah. as we reflect on his uh, greatness. You know, David Hamelach was not thought of as someone who was going to achieve greatness. If you remember when Shaul, when King Shaul was going to be replaced, uh, he was told to go to Yishai, um, and Yishai has many, many sons, eight sons, and he'll find someone worthy to to fill in that spot. And he he goes for the oldest, um, and uh, I'm an oldest. You know, it's always nice. You think like, oh, you're the oldest. You get chosen for things. <laughs> but in, in, are you the oldest now? No, but I know that my oldest son would agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, one of the things about David, it's a little bit of a Cinderella story, is that he was sort of the small one with a lot of chutzpah, and um, and he he went to deliver food to his brothers at war, and he was the one who stepped up to fight Goliath. Uh, if you recall, Shaul, King Saul, says, you know, here, I'll give you my armor. But of course, Saul was very tall, and David was very small, right. and, um, and and he couldn't wear that armor. So he went, he went um, without, and he went really with the spirit of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, with the feeling that he could conquer 
uh, that he could conquer and, and have God behind him. And I, I guess I, I want to say that is a bracha for Israel right now, yep. you know, to yep. be small and yep. mighty yep. and to be able to withstand the difficulties, you know, like David HaMelech, yep. Israel's a complicated place. Uh, Israel's a complicated place, but there's a certain driving chutzpah that, that has made us great in the world. And um, I think the legacy of David HaMelech, one of the legacies is, you know, you can be small and you can be the underdog, but with a certain kind of bravery and courage, you you can succeed. And David succeeded because of his his intelligence and his deep emunah, his deep belief. And I think we have to hold on to that uh, firmly and, and really uh, and pray for Israel's safety right now. Phenomenal message. Um, good luck at Congregation Eitz Chaim right here where we are this coming Shavuot. And thanks so much for joining us this morning. Oh, thank you, and Chag Sameach to you. So good to hear your voice. Appreciate that very much. Dr. Erica Brown, everybody, of course, will be here at time this coming Shavuot, uh, starting on Sunday night with some amazing messages. And yes, as we know about David HaMelech, as we know about David HaMelech, the... the um, Israel is, no matter what the media tells us, Israel's always the underdog. Yes, remember that. No matter what the media says or how Israel's painted with what they're surrounded by, they're always the underdog. We pray for the safety and security of our brothers and sisters in Israel. We pray for the safety and security of our um, uh, of all of our brothers and sisters there. And of course, we pray for the Israel Defense Forces to do what is necessary to deter and destroy the enemy. JMNAM Thursday, it's day 46 in the counting of the Omer, where Congregation Eitz Chaim in Livingston, New Jersey, with many wonderful themes this morning. We'll do this song, be back with plenty more, a lot of great guests coming up at Eitz Chaim right here in Livingston, and you're listening to JM in the AM.
JM and the AM, are you picking up the theme for today? There's a theme for today, not just Congregation Eitzchayim, but Yachad, togetherness, as we focus on our brothers and sisters in Israel and remind everybody to do everything in our power, whether it's taking to the streets, whether it's contacting our our Congress, uh, our members of Congress, members of the House of Representatives, and our senators, whether it's uh, praying for our brothers and sisters in Israel, we do pray for their security, and we hope everybody's joining in in all these activities as we keep our brothers and sisters in mind during these challenging times in Israel. And we're here at Congregation Eight's High, and Miriam Dessau is here. Miriam Dessau is a, the leader of a new young family here in the Eitz Chaim community. She's also director of Metro West NCSY. For those of you who've never heard of Metro West, Metro West essentially is the region that we're in. I guess the central part of Metro West would, be con- would today be considered West Orange and Livingston. In the old days, it was a little bit of a different geography, but that's not for this conversation. Miriam Dessau, welcome to JM and the A. Good morning. <laughs> Good, to have, <laughs> Good to have you here. I'm laughing somewhat because in my day, I think NCSY was actually known as West Orange Livingston, then Rabbi Klibanoff told me this morning that under your leadership, you're in a lot of other places. He mentioned Madison, Parsippany, Morristown. I mean, there are a lot of places you're reaching out to. Yeah, thank God. It's funny because I grew up in Passaic and I heard of Livingston, West Orange right. again. I thought that was the Metro West. And then I'm, I'm going out and I'm just seeing, oh, there's Maplewood. This is a nice uh, community. Well, there's more. Yeah. And it's really incredible. And Big I Jewish he- communities everywhere. And actually, that's one of the communities I hear that are growing like crazy, the Maplewood community. It's incredible the amount of Jews that are in those schools. I'm, I'm shocked. But as I keep on going, I'm like, okay, this is it. This and is without even getting to Parsippany and Morristown, right here you're surrounded by a bunch of schools with probably large Jewish populations. It's incredible. <laughs> really big communities here. It's funny. We don't realize sometimes how many families decide to send their children to a public school or a private, what we would call public school, and at the same time, they want them involved in Jewish activities. Um, And I wonder if it's hard to get those kids who are now distracted by so many millions of options of how to spend their social time, if it's difficult to get them to to commit to Jewish activities. Um, I feel like sometimes it is, but sometimes it's a lot easier. Usually the way way I like to work is I (laughs) used to come into the schools back in pre-COVID days, come with a few pies of pizza, and people see the pizza. They're like, where are you going? We're going to Jewish Student (laughs) Union Club. Come on with me. And that was the pull. So we just... We keep on going with that method, and we try to find new things to make it exciting and enticing. So has your constituency grown over the last year, or you're stagnant? Like, have you been able to attract more to actually Zoom with you and have activities that are much more remote than they used to be? We actually have been able to get new teens, which is incredible and so exciting. We're actually... God willing, Bezrat Hashem running our trip to Israel, TJJ, which is the public school program. We take public school teens to Israel for the summer for a month. This is really important news to thank us. God. Have they really told you that TJJ is going? We are really going. We are really, 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 really going. Baruch Hashem on an airplane to Israel. That's in July. In July. Right. And we're hoping that nothing can deter anybody from making that happen at this point. Because, you know, the Israeli government hasn't been the most cooperative when it comes to welcoming Americans. Thank God. Thank God. Our plan is to go. and We're running a West Coast trip also for people Ah. who aren't yet vaccinated and can't get in the country yet. So there are definitely both options for everyone. Understood. And uh, a lot of people don't realize how important those summer programs are for these kids. It, It is a life changer for them. They come back and becomes life changing for their families. 
et cetera, et cetera. I mean, I assume, I, I don't know in the, in the period of time you've been here. And again, with COVID, I don't know if it's even been possible, but, but it, it would not shock you if some of those families, because of the involvement of their kids, end up being members here and hanging out in shul here on Shabbos as well, right? I mean, that's a, yeah. I, mean, I know that's the goal, but it's not unrealistic. For Purim, I, I texted a girl. I'm like, do you want to come to Megillah reading with me? She's like, I've never been before. I guess so. And she like came and sat with me for Megillah reading. We went to the carnival right after together. It was so sweet and special. <laughs> you never know. Huh? I know. It's pretty amazing. Miriam Dessau is here. We're talking about... NCSY and these uh, in these very challenging times and in this very interesting area. Um, in my day, as we like to say, <laughs> us old people, so it would be hard to find people at Parsippany and Morristown who would be interested in all of these things. Um, at, at, yet, those are two of the areas that you've been able to get to successfully. Why has that worked over there? I think just because things started pre-COVID, anything that was just kind of started, it was able to be maintained and we're already talking for next year picking new presidents for those clubs and just picking Mm. out new students so we can keep it going even though we have graduating seniors but to keep what they started alive and make it grow they're excited i'd be shocked to hear that there are jewish kids where give me an area that i have not mentioned in this conversation where i'd be shocked to hear that there are or have we covered it all have we mentioned all all the areas in this this honestly the more i learn the more i realize i shouldn't be shocked that there are jews in communities so they're they're everywhere they're literally you're everywhere. constantly discovering it yeah and then i hear about more communities that have jews even like around livingston like the caldwells i'm like right. there are plenty of jews here i just haven't tapped I into i can't believe yet. i forgot about the cold of, of course a ton <laughs> there are a lot there yeah 100 yeah, percent right <laughs> uh and and programming uh of course we mentioned earlier about the, we were discussing with the youth committee chair Uh, We're discussing how innovative one must be programming-wise. This has probably spurred on some creative juices over the last few months. Am I right? (laughs) Just a little bit. I used to think I wasn't such a creative person, but then I learned I'm very creative. And I think one of our biggest things that we've done this year is we created, with the Jewish Federation actually, these boxes that we give out every month. We call them Boxo Jewish. And NCSY and the Federation works to create this, and we hand-deliver them to everyone. So we get to actually see people's faces and give them Jewish interaction and the key is to do it consistently so exactly every month (laughs) that is the key pretty amazing all right we introduced you also as uh, someone who's brought a new young family How, how long are you in this community you're here how long um since august that's it yeah just since the summer yeah. And how has the adjustment been for your new young family? <laughs> it's been incredible, honestly. It's a really special place to start out. And since I've been doing NCSY here for a few years, volunteering and working uh, here, I've, I've gotten to know the community. So as I was finding a place to move, it was just a very natural, easy fit. Very cool. And your family would agree with you. Yes. <laughs> Miriam Dessau is director of Metro West NCSY, the ever-growing Metro West NCSY. God willing, yes. Thank you so much for being here this morning. Thank you. It's amazing to meet people, young people, enthusiastic about reaching out and making sure to uh, get to as many Jewish kids as possible and get them involved in community happenings and then slowly get them to uh, take on roles in synagogues and uh, in, in serious Jewish groups. Just amazing. What an incredible feeling that is. And uh, we salute uh, Miriam Dessau and everybody who's involved in youth work here at Eitzheim. We're at Congregation Eitzheim. We're in Livingston, New Jersey on a special Thursday morning broadcast. Today is day number 46 in the County of the Omer. That's six weeks and four days. If you forgot to count last night, make sure to do so sometime today. We are continuously praying for our brothers and sisters in Israel for their safety and security. And we pray for the Israel Defense Forces to make sure uh, to, to we pray 
for the one above to help them deter and destroy the enemy who's trying to destroy our brothers and sisters. I believe the co-presidents, if I have this right, the co-presidents of Congregation Eitz Chaim are now at our mobile broadcast center in the uh, main vestibule of Congregation Eitz Chaim. And that would be Kenny Weiss and Shira Stein. Welcome to you both. Good morning. Good morning. It's a pleasure to have you here. I appreciate that. Yes, thank you for welcoming me here. And um, I I would assume that just like other shul presidents, you would say you have the most enviable positions of the entire congregation. 100% (laughs) correct. (laughs) How long have you been co-presidents or president? When did did these terms begin? Uh, We started at the beginning of the year. It's a two-year term, so we're only a year into it, and we're Looking forward to uh, the second year and uh, doing great things at Eight Time. Did you hesitate to take the job when uh, we were facing such a challenging time with the pandemic? I think it was actually even more enticing because we were coming into a challenge and working together with this great community. Interesting. And uh, one of the themes that we've been talking about is when, when, when a pandemic hits, one needs to be innovative and creative in order to keep the, uh, the juices going in a synagogue. Would you feel? Do you feel that's been... Uh, accomplished here? You've been able to keep the, the engine revving, even though that uh, the pandemic made a lot of things stall over the last few months? Thank God we're coming back closer and closer to normalcy uh, with the help of Rabbi Klippinoff and with some creative ideas. Um, people are coming back to shul. We just had our first outdoor kiddish last Shabbos for, in honor of Mother's Day. We had a great turnout. Um, we have our upcoming barbecue, uh, which will be outdoors. We're inviting all families. We're uh, welcoming back the community, honoring the community. Um, Kenny, what do you think? Yeah, yeah. I, th- <coughs> I think that, uh, thank God, we... Uh, we were able to evolve very quickly. You know, it takes uh, the leadership of a great rabbi to uh, help us get through things, and we have that in place. Uh, you know, the rabbi was uh, on his feet and thinking very quickly in reference to obviously handle the high holidays and how that's all going right. to work out. That was, uh, you know, it was, it was difficult, but it worked out really well. We had a great plan in place, and planning throughout the process, we were able to uh, keep the shul moving, keep programs going, and things are working out very well. We have to be very innovative, which we are, uh, and things are working out well. Even when it's not COVID, the shul seems to be very innovative. <laughs> Even when it's not COVID, innovation is always on the brain. All right, I'll ask both of you, Kathy Weiss and Shira Stein, a co-president of the synagogue here at Congregation Eight Time. I'll ask both of you the, the question that many who may not have even heard of Livingston, New Jersey, might be asking themselves this morning. What is it about this community that attracted you to it? What is it about this community that makes it so special? Why don't you start, Kenny? So it's, uh, you know, like any other community, it's... Uh, the warmth of uh, of the community. Eitz Chaim, uh, Livingston, New Jersey, is uh, an alternative to Englewood, New Jersey, which a lot of people navigate to when they leave New York City. Uh, Livingston is not as 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 widely known, but it ha- offers all the great services that a big community offers. It has um, all the uh, you know it has all the uh, all the offerings that uh, you can ask right. for. Uh, and more importantly, it has uh, it has you know many shuls throughout the community that you can that you could choose from. It has uh, a number of schools that you can uh, that you can attend. Uh, so it has all the things that a you know that a great community should have. And the shul itself, uh, you know, is is all about warmth. And uh, you feel that the second that you enter the shul, and uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's it's important. Shira, what do you think? So I agree with Kenny. Um, we came here 18 years ago. Vicinity to the city was definitely a factor. You're in and out of the city in 20 minutes, 20, 
maybe 30 minutes. Um, <laughs> but um, the amazing schools, the amazing community, the amazing shul. I work at Joseph Kushner Hebrew Academy. My kids uh, have all gone through the school system. My youngest is still there. Um, my, I work there. I'm a first grade teacher. And just this shul is, is a family. I feel like from the day uh, we... Uh, we came to Eitz Chaim. This is the factor that keeps us in Livingston, New Jersey. Uh, you mentioned the school that you're in um, and, and where you're working, where your children are. It, it seems that uh, the schools in this area and synagogues like this really project to the young people a, a, feel, a responsibility of activism, of being involved, not just in the shul, but in Jewish causes in general. And I would bet on a daily basis, both here and in the school, you get that feeling that the kids are getting that injection of being active and being and taking an active role in the Jewish community. Absolutely. Uh, my oldest is in uh, Tulane University. Oh, wow. She has an active role in uh, the Jewish leadership there. That must make you feel great. Um, and I feel very secure. My second daughter is going on to Northeastern, and I just feel the foundation that has been built through Eitz Chaim, through Kushner. Um, really, she's ready to, um, to stand up for for Israel to be an activist on campus. we got to get those two on the air. I need to know about the route <laughs> from Kushner to Tulane and from Kushner to Northeastern. Absolutely. <laughs> it's a separate show. That's a separate show <laughs> and a very interesting story, I'm sure. Uh, congratulations to both of you for leading a synagogue that's doing amazing things and is really uh, uh, the centerpiece of a wonderful community. I thank you both for joining me this morning. Thank you again thank for you. being here. Uh, co-presidents of Congregation Eitz Chaim, Kenny Weiss and Shira Stein. They are... Uh, they are the leaders. They are the people in charge as the synagogue continues to move forward. Our very own Miriam L. Wallach has sat down for a moment. Nahum, I have to mention something. You know, sure. when, I, when I was discussing with Rabbi Klibanoff last week the makeup of today's guest list and the lineup, I gave Rabbi Klibanoff my standard make sure that women are represented line, you know, just to keep them in mind in a completely ridiculous moment, not appreciating just how involved both men and women are here at Congregation Eight Time. And I, and I very much think that it's noted, that, that it's worth noting that not only um, has Dr. Erica Brown been the scholar in residence here for a number of Yom Tovim and is coming back for Shavuot, and not only is the co-president here a woman, but women and men both take very active roles in the Livingston community and in this shul itself. And so I almost owe Rabbi Klibanoff an apology <laughs> for saying, you know, don't forget, don't forget the ladies and, and forget that. I mean... Oh, he's right there. I know. I looked at him. I'm looking at him apologizing. Um, but... but you know, it, it's a um, it's it's such a model. It's such a model for how we, as a community, as a Jewish community, can not only exist but thrive. Well, I would. I, you're making a very good point, but I would add to that that uh, real leadership finds ways to include everybody. Correct. And that is a very valid and, point. And it's youth, and it's yachad youth, and it's every category of people that exist. And you're making a really good point, and I'm glad I could uh, add to that. Um, uh, I uh, want to remind everybody that we're on the road all day today. From here, we're going to Lakewood, New Jersey. At 11 a.m., we'll be at Deluxe Bistro, Madison Avenue in Lakewood, New Jersey, on this day 46 in the counting of the Omer. And uh, I remind you that tomorrow in the 7 o'clock hour, Malcolm Honline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Why will he join us tomorrow? Well, a couple of reasons. First of all, he's with us most Fridays. That's the first reason. And secondly, he'll be joining us because of the uh, situation in Israel, we'll get his perspective on what's happening. 
Uh, I'm sure he'll remind us that the battle that uh, our brothers and sisters are facing right now is one that they have faced for uh, many, many decades and centuries in the Holy Land. And at the same time, he'll tell us the uniqueness of this present battle in 2021, which includes a lot more social media than years ago and includes a lot more uh, statements by people who likely... uh, um, by people who often are not educated on these issues. And uh, we'll discuss all of that tomorrow right here at JM in the AM. Remember by David Goldwasser's words, Here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with Morning Chizuk. And as soon as Rabbi Goldwasser starts, and here we go. As soon as he begins, we will... Uh, Turn things over to him. Here we go. We read in the Mishnah, A person that has a lot of property will have a lot of daigas, concerns and worries. The note of Yehuda comments, A person that has 100, He already wants 200. If he already has 200, he wants 400. It also says that a person doesn't leave this world and even half of their monetary desires will they have in their hands. Because of this, the Mishnah says, Mar mar The more that they seek to amass wealth, the more worry and concern they will have. The great Tzaddik Rebbe Leo Lopian once went to a huge gvir, a very wealthy man, to ask for money. However, as much as the person was wealthy, he was also a very big kamtsan, a miser. The wealthy person was already an elderly man, and he said to Rebelio, when I was young, people used to tell me that if I give a lot of tzedakah and I do a lot of chesed with my money, that Hashem is going to help me and I'm going to be wealthy. I didn't pay much attention to them, and I saved all my money from my old age. Now I have proven my point. Because if I would have given Staka, what would I have now? Rebelio answered him, What you're telling me is comparable to a person who has two options to choose for his livelihood. Either he can be a refiner of gold or he can be a blacksmith. He weighs his options and decides to become the blacksmith, even though refining gold would be much more profitable. After many years... He brags to his friends. He says, you see how right I was to choose to be a blacksmith? I stand all day. There is a continuous, unending flow of people coming in with things to fix. If I would have been a gold refiner, I would have died from starvation. Rebbe Leo said to him, after you choose one derech, you bring me evidence that the other way is not right. If you would have been involved in charity and stuck in chesed from your youth, it could be that today your wealth would be kefal kiflayim, would be double. Rebbe Leo said, this is the nature of those that desire great wealth. It confuses the mind of a person and corrupts the seichel. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser bringing you morning chizik. Have a nice J.M. in the A.M. as we continue on this uh, very special Thursday broadcast where Congregation Eitz Chaim in Livingston, New Jersey. This portion of NSN programming brought to you by our friends at A&H. Abels and Hyman Kosher Hot Dog Sausage in Delhi is the world's best, serving the kosher world since 1954 and available at better kosher supermarkets nationwide. 
Try A&H today. I remind you that our friends at Art Scroll are providing a free sampler of some delicious Schwuis recipes. Art Scroll has a free download, if you go to artscroll.com, of a Schwuis cookbook, a sampling of mouthwatering recipes from our best-selling cookbooks. That's a, a project of Art Scroll. It's absolutely free. Just go to artscroll.com and download it. It's called Schwuis Cookbook. You'll notice it when you get to the Art Scroll homepage. Again, the Schwuis cookbook is a free download, a sampling of mouthwatering recipes from their best-selling cookbooks if you go to artscroll.com. Thursday morning broadcast here at JM in the AM, and we have a unique combination of guests who are joining us. David Halpern, who's actually the founder of Congregation Eitz Chaim, and his son Jeremy Halpern, who has who also serves in many uh, positions, as does his father in different community uh, causes. Uh, but among them is uh, the fact that he is the president of the uh, Kushner Schools here in Livingston, New Jersey. David Halpern and Jeremy Halpern, welcome to JM in the AM. Thank you. Good morning, Nachum. How Good are morning. You? It's a pleasure to have you here and a real honor. Um, take us back to the beginning when you had a vision to build a congregation, Eitz Chaim. Well, first of all, thank you for giving me all that credit, but there were several other founders as well. And uh, we all moved into this neighborhood back in the early 90s. And the shul, the wonderful shul, Suburban Torah, was down the road. And Rabbi Kassanetz, I respected him very much, a great rabbi. But it was a long schlep up and down the hill in the winter and the summer. And we decided we wanted to have something closer. And uh, we decided to build a shul here. Actually, the shul was a, a house about a quarter of a mile down the road. And uh, miraculously, when we opened up, the first night that the sh- we opened up, 300 people came. It was Rosh Hashanah. And amazingly, we got through the service uh, without any rehearsal. And uh, <laughs> it became a real hit. And Baruch Hashem, a few years later, we were able to build this shul. I think we opened up in, 1990, in 2005, this building opened. Wow. And I'm so happy that you know, my family, my children, my grandchildren live in the neighborhood. And uh, thank God we are here. We had a great rabbi. Rabbi Krupka was sure. our founding rabbi, a warm, pious, really a great rabbi. And uh, Unfortunately, it's sad that we lost him. But now we are led by such a wonderful man, Rabbi Klibanoff. He uh, is a man for all people. He understands uh, everyone who comes in, and everyone who comes in enjoys to be here. Yeah, you've had some good luck with rabbis, I must say. (laughs) (laughs) You've had a good run with rabbis. Um, One of the points we've been making, and we know how important it is to focus on the local, and obviously we're featuring Livingston, New Jersey, and featuring the synagogue this morning. Uh, But you're here, and you serve in so many different capacities, really in, in global jury, and there's so many causes that are important to you and this is an important week because we are seeing what's going on with our brothers and sisters in israel and i'm sure your attention is very much focused on what's going on i mean tell me and i know it takes a long time to go through some of these topics and we'll try to do it in as concise a manner as possible but tell me why it's vital uh to communities to be involved in causes like yad vashem as we look to the past and causes that support the idf in israel as we look to the present and the future well, it's, it's who we are. We, um, we in this community, we're fortunate. Uh, we come from, many people came here from the, as children right. of Holocaust survivors, and they really taught all of us what it means to be a Jew and how important Israel is to us because they lived in a world where there was no Israel and um, made us understand all that. And Yad Vashem, of course, is a big part of understanding who we are and Yad Vashem is one of the most important reasons why 
it's not the reason we have Israel. We had Israel thousands right. of years before that, but it made us understand that we had to reclaim Israel. And uh, I think with, under Rabbi Klibanov's leadership, everything is, is sewn together in this shul. We, we, we love Israel, we love remembrance of the Holocaust, we love the soldiers, uh, we love Yiddishkeit. Uh, Rabbi Klibanov is a very modern rabbi, but he really understands and knows Torah and, and Gemara, and he does everything here on everyone's level, and I think it's, a, it's wonderful how everything is tied together here. And it seems that when there's a, I, I could use the words emergency situation, but let's say a pressing issue, it seems like a shul like this deals with a local pressing issue and the same way we'll deal with the international global Jewish issue. All of it is pressing. All of it is important. And I think that's a really important perspective that both everything happening locally and everything happening globally for the Jewish world are taken both very seriously. I think that's true. Um, we've been fortunate to have uh, some of the leadership here of uh, Mark Wilf uh, of the Federation, National okay. Federation, and uh, Arthur Stark was involved with the conference and, and many other things. It, it, it somehow all comes back to this shul. And um, if people who don't know about these things, Rabbi Klibanov, make sure everybody understands what's going on uh, in the world. Uh, we all know what's going on in Israel because he tells us, he, he was on, the, on a special Zoom uh, the day before yesterday. And, and I think uh, it, it all ties together and, and the awareness that we have here I think it's different than in many, many other shuls where everybody is aware of everything that's going on in the Jewish world. David Halpern and Jeremy Halpern are here. Jeremy, we will get to in a minute. It's a rarity that I have a chance to speak to your father, and I'm sure you don't mind. I will never have <laughs> my father. Um, many of us, and thank God I don't think I need guidance on this, but many of us and people listening do need guidance on how to transmit all that you've said to the next generation. You're sitting here with a son who I'm sure makes you very proud in how involved in the community he is and how much seriously he takes the causes that you and I are now talking about. Is there a formula? Can you give a boost of confidence, a morale booster to parents who would love to see their children get more involved in these types of activities? Well, I have to say, thank God, I think the key to having great children is having great parents. And I learned from my parents uh, so much about what's going on in the entire Jewish world from thousands of years ago till, t till today. And my children are what they are because of, they also, thank God, knew my, uh, my parents and my mom, thank God, is still right. with us. And she still transmits everything that's great about being a human being and being a Jew. And having them know my parents uh, really it reflects on who they are today. And I'm so proud of my son Jeremy for everything he does. He's involved in so many things. And my daughter Mindy is so involved in everything. Uh, and, and my son-in-law and daughter-in-law also, they just get involved and they work hard. And uh, all I can say is that the, it, it's, it's a bracha that they turned out the way they are. And now um, they're really taking the lead in all, the, in all these uh, different organizations and important uh, Thing. So the, the formula is to, if, you, if you, you, you come from something that, that was transmitted to you, it, it, it's much easier to transmit it to uh, your children. No question about it. So Jeremy, did you uh, get the impression that all these things are important to your parents? Did you get the impression that community involvement is a very key part to the way they were raising a family? 
Oh, absolutely. Uh, honestly, Nahum, it's, it's, it's great to see you here Thank today. Thank you so uh, much. Such a pleasure. After Always wonderful year. to reunite with it's you. It's wonderful. <laughs> uh, and I'm still going to do that tour of Kushner with you at some point. <laughs> I, I really look forward to it. Unfortunately, this year I really did make a lot of changes, but God willing, we're on our way back. Uh, as far as, as, as our involvement and, and what I learned from my parents, first of all, I think my father doesn't give himself enough credit, or my mother enough credit when it comes to what they did and, and showing us almost any organization I'm involved in and I sit down and I'm talking about, I'm able to say, oh, you know, I've been involved in this organization for, well, my whole life, maybe before. And, and that's because I was brought as a young kid to yeah. Israel Bond events and Yad Vashem events and IDF events and, you know, everything under the sun in the Jewish world. Uh, it just became sort of natural. That's who we are and that's what you do and that's what you support. Uh, I, I've just so blessed lately to be involved in so many organizations, especially Eitz Chaim, which I, I truly think is an incredible, incredible community shul. We have the greatest rabbi, and I'll tell you a little secret: we actually have even the greater Revitzin. Okay, and you know, uh, even the rabbi would agree with you. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, we, we we were just so blessed to have uh, the Klibanovs come into our lives here and to to take control and to help to lead. You know, th there are thank God so many wonderful individuals in this community, and everybody has taken on different active roles in different organizations. But I, I really feel you need a leader there, and, and Rabbi Klibanov is the leader of our times in this location, and he is the one that's pulling all that together. And when he says he's a, you know, a wartime rabbi or <laughs> Rabbi Milchama, <laughs> it's true. When something's going on, except unfortunately now because he can't, right. he is the first one over there. He is going down on the front lines, and he wants to make sure that things are well, and he does that with the power that he has created back here of all of us and is able to really accomplish so much. Uh, but we're really blessed in this community. I mean, I, f I feel incredibly blessed. You asked my father where all uh, our involvement comes from. Well, thank God my grandmother is 93 and doing amazing. She lives across the street here. She's probably looking out the window at us. Uh, and, you know, we go to see her constantly. And my kids go. So now she's hanging, spending time with her great-grandchildren. Mir Tashem next week, her eldest great-grandchild, my, my daughter Brianna, is going to graduate uh, uh, in two weeks uh, from Kushner Academy. And uh, we're very excited. My grandmother is going to be at the graduation and be able to be part of that. And... You know, it's that type of, uh, of, of passing it down from generation to generation, and here you're talking about from first to fourth, which is pretty amazing, um, that, that leads to this occurring. And it's not just in our family, it's in many families around here. And in many different organizations, uh, it gets touched on, on so many different levels. You know, when you and I speak, it's usually about Kushner, and we'll have an opportunity to do that on more occasions, please God. But today, just tell me about Livingston. You mentioned the shul, and we know about the rabbi and Rebetzin and what goes on here. But it just seems like the whole area has become, and I remember it from the old days, but it's just, I call it an ever-growing Jewish community. It seems there's always a vibrancy here and that there's no such thing as, as, as it has been. It just, it's always being, it seems like it's always being uh, in, a, in a state of renewal, so to speak. What can you tell us about the community in general? So, uh, you know, I would, I would actually, I would wanted to say, well, I was born into it, but it's actually not true. I was born in Muncie. I grew up till I was 10 in Muncie. And, and you know, then I moved, I, then we moved to Livingston. Uh, and then I moved to New York City and spent a decade in New York City. Right. But at the end of the day, we looked around, and my wife and I, who also grew up in Livingston, uh, we said, where do we want to raise our children? And there, there was no other place. It was, we're coming back here. We didn't even know yet how great our rabbi was going to be <laughs> and our rabbit sin in the whole world here. Uh, but we knew that this was the place. This is where our family is. This is uh, the warmth of this community. You know, they've touched on it in some of the interviews I heard earlier today. The diversity and the acceptance and just the love that is shown to everybody who walks through this door is diversity and unity it really is diversity amazing you know everybody unity. preaches it everybody talks yeah. about it here it's done it's it's and it's been done for years and years yeah. and years you know it's it's the hot topic today but the reality is everybody who walks in this door feels loved i can tell you um i have a neighbor down the street here uh an indian woman the most wonderful woman in the world 
she is constantly coming in because she knows Rabbi Klivach. Because when her, fu- hus- her husband unfortunately passed away, he was at her side. Okay. She, last night, was posting online. She stands with Israel. She loves, she cares, but she's worried about our families and our friends and our brothers and sisters in Israel. It's that community that can have the effect on so many people. And yes, we're not a gigantic shul, but I think we're the biggest shul as part of the heart and as part of strength and just love. And I, I welcome everybody to come and check it out. And the ripple effect of this tonight is amazing. David, finally, uh, because I, I just feel I can't let you go without asking for a comment on this. And we're so focused on our brothers and sisters in Israel, rightfully so, and we need to be on a day like today. But how often do you think being part of that community of survivors, right? You yourself, not a survivor, but obviously with a lineage of, uh, uh, of survivors of the war. How often do you think about the depths of despair that the previous generation went through and how the hopelessness must have dominated their lives in many ways? And they come here and build a community like this one, and really an American Jewish community to be proud of? Well, I think uh, when I think of my parents, you know, whether sure. during the Holocaust and before the Holocaust, their dream to, to even you know, have survived uh, during the, uh, after the Holocaust and to be able to come to America and to rebuild Jewish life, in fact, that Jewish life would even exist uh, after the Holocaust, it was a miracle. I know my father... Always, he couldn't believe that there would even be Jewish children after what he saw in the Holocaust. And for that dream to come here and, and to come through second generation, third generation, and even now fourth generation, uh, believe you know, in Israel and remember the Holocaust, I, I think that uh, it is a miracle that we have it here. And uh, I think that we who have it so easy, everything was given to us and, and we live in such comfort, have to look back to what they did or what they suffered through and what they dreamed about. For them, when, when I, first time I went to Israel, uh, you know, got on the plane, I looked out the window and I see we're crossing the coastline of Tel Aviv. It was so easy uh, for my parents to even dream that there would be in Israel, for them to go to see in Israel and to see a Jewish world in America thriving is something that uh, maybe we all take for granted but I think we don't take for granted here in this shul. Uh, the rabbi and the Rebetzin, they, they make sure whether we have Hasidim davening here and we have people who are, come from a background where they're still trying to learn more. Uh, the rabbi and the Rebetzin make sure that we understand this and make sure that uh, with God's help, our children will continue to do this as well. I can't thank you both enough for being here and thank you for welcoming us here this morning and continued success in doing everything that you do for our brothers and sisters in Israel and around the world. Thank, Thank you, Nathan. Thank you so much for being here. David Halpern, Jeremy Halpern, a, uh, a true generational conversation uh, about being involved as founders of the shul, but uh, being involved today in so many causes, uh, both here and around the world. More coming up. You are listening to a Thursday morning edition of JMNAM. I do remind you that we're on the road all day today, which means that we're going to be... Um, Uh, here until 9 a.m. this morning, and then after that, we are going to be um, uh, at 11 a.m. at Deluxe Bistro on Madison Avenue in Lakewood, New Jersey. Feel free to come along and say hi. Brand new selection, Ruby New, Shlomo Simcha. You're listening to JM in the AM. He says nobody finds themselves in a situation. You put yourself in a situation. And if you put yourself in that situation, you can put yourself in another situation. That-
It's the most daring, moving story ever to have been told. One of agony and glory, of a mission to uphold.、Mm, and you're essential to this story, a letter in its sacred scroll. And it's not just allegory when you embrace your place and role. Never find yourself in a situation that you cannot undo. So let your letter shine unto the nations. Be proud to be a Jew. 'Cause we've been hunted down in senseless hate, and we're searching back with love and care. And it's never, ever too late. Any Jew, anywhere. Every soul's a holy letter, every family a word, a community a sentence. Each voice it must be heard. And to the letters that rose up in smoke, we must do more than say never again, and be the eternal letters of hope for our children and for them. You never find yourself in a situation that you cannot undo. So let your letter shine unto the nations. Be proud to be a Jew. 'Cause we've been hunted down in senseless hate, and we're searching back with love and care. I know it's never. Any Jew, anywhere. Hey. He said to himself, "If the Nazis search out every Jew in hate, we will search out every Jew in love." There's a home we must build together. To heal a fractured world, the dignity of difference we must treasure in our deeds and in our words. Live with faith in our future. Be the leader you were born to be. And the day will come much sooner when we'll all live. Never find yourself in a situation that you cannot undo. So let your letter shine onto the nations. Be proud to be a Jew. Cause we've been hunted down in senseless hate, and we're searching back with love and care. J.M. and the A.M. Brand new Ruby New and Shlomo Simcha together. A song called "It's Never Too Late," dedicated to the memory of、uh, Rabbi Lord Jonathan Sachs. A、uh, song just came out. We actually spoke to Ruby New about it over、uh, the last couple of days. Speaking of great rabbinic leadership. 
Uh, oh, by the way, speaking of great rabbinic leadership, I'm informed by our very own Yoni Pollock, and I thank Yoni Pollock for uh, doing a stellar job engineering and helping out and being our director of operations, as he always is this morning. And uh, according to Yoni's report, number one, um, the minion here at Eitz Chaim is extremely efficient. He's still not able to get over the fact that a Thursday minion can be 30 minutes, so that's a <laughs> tribute to Rabbi Klibanoff. And apparently Yoni did get an aliyah, and apparently they did celebrate the fact that he's a chatan, uh, when they called him up to the Torahs. That's really nice. So, uh, Miriam, note that, please, that uh, Yoni got all the uh, proper kibudim uh, during the morning minion at Eitz Chaim. Rabbi Isaac Bernstein is here. He's assistant rabbi and director of community engagement here at Congregation Eitz Chaim. Rabbi Bernstein, welcome to JM in the AM. Thanks so much for having me here. You mentioned that uh, that there was a, a previous time where you almost, almost made it to JM in the AM. Almost. It was my... Uh I almost was famous, but I, I guess it didn't happen. <laughs> what was that all about? I, I, you, had you written a book? Were no. you uh, were you putting out a movie? What happened? I Tell wrote a, I wrote an article one time when I was in YU about uh, about religious Zionism in YU and mm. on uh, on the YU campus and how there was sometimes an attitude uh, of a little kanoish behavior, you know, among those who are religious Zionists. Yeah, you know, and, interesting. Uh, okay. uh, I, I'll proudly wear that mantle, but okay, yeah, go ahead. It was called. Uh, <laughs> extremism uh, letter from a religious Zionist. That's what it was. Uh, it was a little, a little controversial with some of my friends. So how does JMNAM work into that? I got an email. Hey, you want to be on the show? Are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> what, I wanted to let you have it on the air? Yeah, I, I guess so. Uh, we talked on the phone one time, but it never ended up working out. But uh, I guess I've been waiting my whole life just for this. You're, you're originally from Chicago, right? I am originally from And I mentioned that because, as Rabbi Bentenki confirmed for me a couple of weeks ago on the air, Chicago is a hubbub of serious religious Zionist oh, activity. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I grew up uh, very involved in Pnei Akiva. Uh, and in my school, it was always very, very uh, present, you know, religious Zionism and going to camp. I went to Moshe Ba'a Wild Rose oh. for my whole life. My mother was a nurse there. So growing up. My was, father was one of the founders. Okay. So. I, was, I was one of those uh, staff brats there my whole life. Wow. Uh, so yeah, you were a staff kid. Oh yes, boy, staff exactly, kid. exactly. All the all these stereotypes of uh, the staff kid are true. Now <laughs> you can confirm. Huh? How did Rabbi Klibanoff find you and uh, and and uh, bring you to Congregation Eitz Chaim? Uh, it's all my wife. It's all my wife. I may be the assistant rabbi here, but it was all my wife. Uh, What's her role? She was. Uh, teaching Sheer in Camp Morisha. Right. And I know Rabbi Klimanoff likes to take credit, but it was really his daughter, Gila, that really gets all the credit. Gila, you know, Rabbi Klimanoff and the Rebbitson, they showed up to Morisha on visiting day, and they said they, were, they went for many, many years. The first time they ever heard from their daughter, oh, you got to meet my Sheer teacher. <laughs> I, I don't was, think I've ever heard yeah, those words. I don't, th- I don't think you've ever. Uh, I don't think any parents ever heard that really going to. But it wasn't even me. It was my wife. So they uh, they met my wife. They thought she was great, and then uh, I came along with the package. Interesting. And this has been since when? You're officially assistant rabbi since when? Since last year, August. Uh, oh, so we're, we're in our fir- Yeah. We're, no. 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 Since uh, oh, this past this past August. August yeah. Got it. Just a so, few months, uh, actually. Just uh, about seven, eight months. So, what were your initial impressions of this community? I mean, I, this is not a sort of you know why'd you take the job uh, a question. I'm asking you know as a as somebody who you know wa- wants to be here for a while, raise a family, etc. You know, what were your first impressions of the community? Yeah. So before this, I uh, we were living in Teaneck. We were living in the apartments in Teaneck, and before and we were living in Washington Heights. Uh, and so to move to, first of all, just a community with, you know, where I wasn't living in the apartment life was just amazing. Right. 
Um, but also there's something very special about living uh, specifically in this community because to me, everyone, regardless of where you are in life, whether you're in Chinuch, whether you're an accountant, whether you're a doctor, I feel like it's very, very impo- important for a person to take control and, and have some responsibility in the community and be able to play that role wherever you are, whether it's being part of the local organizations, whether it's lending a hand in the shul, whether it's... And in a lot of communities, you don't really have that choice. They're just, they're overflowing with people and there's six different shuls on one block and you're running from I daven mincha in this shul and I daven shachris right. in that shul. And, right. You know, first half of shachris in that shul, the other <laughs> half in the other shul. And, you know, you're running around uh, and, and you kind of get swallowed within the crowd, lost in the crowd there. And when you come to a shul like this where everyone really plays a part, it's it's incredible. One of the, uh, one of the, most beautiful things I've seen here is I, I, I learn in the base medrash here during the day, which it's, I'm going to get back to in a moment. So, go ahead, yeah. So, so I so I get to see you know uh, all the people who you know right. walk in the and out, and uh, outs. ins and outs. Yeah. So y- you'll see people just come in the middle of the day, you know, right. and 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 take care of this, and and you know people who aren't hired by the shul, mm-hmm. people who you know they're not uh, the maintenance team, volunteers, but they come in, then you know yeah. no one's watching. And right. they go and, you know, they'll fix the light in the, mm-hmm. in the shul. Or they'll go and they'll, you know, fix the sink in the, you know, and they're, they're people who really care about the community. And I think that, you know, in this shul in particular, you really have the ability to do that. I've seen a lot of synagogues begin the way you just described, with the changing of the bulbs and the fixing of the sink. And then it sort of fades away. Here, it seems that the, the love that people have for this building and for the congregation keeps them involved in even those mundane activities. And that's saying a lot for any growing synagogue. Rabbi Isaac Bernstein is with us, assistant rabbi here. Now, I, I just got to go back for a moment. And I don't know if Rabbi Klibanoff w- would agree that this is a big deal to focus on, but the fact that you are here, and, and it could be anybody, not necessarily you, but the fact that you are here studying Torah on a regular basis in the shul, that the shul is being used for spiritual purposes all day long, to me, is very significant. That people, you know, people always say, or, or many have said, that a shul that begins with a Shabbos minion, they're not really a shul till they have a daily minion. They're not really a shul till it's three times a day. You know, everyone has their standards of what a real shul is. Once you get to the point where someone is here, and the potential of Chavrutot as well, right? There are people who study with, and they are here, and, that's, and that sound of Torah is here in the building on a typical day. I think that's a real game changer. Now, you may not think it's as dramatic as I do, but what are your impressions? I think it's very important. I mean, I think that uh, in every shul, in every shul, you know, we focus a lot on the tefillah and we focus a lot on the community classes and, you know, everyone coming together. But I think there's a lot of importance just in the fact of Talmud Torah and having people, you know, learn Torah here. And uh, my goal is that uh, I'll walk in at 9 a.m. and uh, I'll see someone else sitting there. Right. And that, and that you'll have chavrusas all day. Yeah, and you'll course. have community members saying, could you make time for me for yes. 30 or 60 minutes so, a day? So, so we do that a lot during the week. You know, yeah. uh, on, on Wednesday nights, for example, at 8.30, I started off with one person, former uh, mayor of Livingston, uh, Mike Reber, Dr. Mike Reber. Mm. We, we started uh, learning together. And then, uh, you know, a friend started joining and it's joining. And now uh, we're up to about five or six people. Who have uh, who have joined the the Wednesday night? That's cheer. a five hundred percent increase. <laughs> that is a, that's a very big deal as yeah, far as I'm concerned. Thank God. I I think people uh, something that's always beautiful that I've seen in the shul 
is that you see people are constantly wanting to grow. You see yeah. that they want it. You see that they want to be able to find those opportunities. Uh, they just need to be presented with them. And if they're presented with them in the right way, I think that uh, they'll take advantage of it. I think it's amazing. I thank you and continued success here at Eitzchayim for you. Assistant Rabbi, Rabbi Isaac Bernstein, Assistant Rabbi since August, and this is America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program, heard on listener-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web, and AlchemSegal.com, and the AlchemSegal Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. I remind you, we're on the road all day today, uh, which means we're here in Livingston, New Jersey, Congregation 8 time until 9 o'clock this morning. At 11 a.m., we're expected down in Lakewood, where Deluxe Bistro has become destination dining in the kosher world. Imagine that. On Madison Avenue in Lakewood, New Jersey, we walk in there at 11 a.m. We'll be there until 1 p.m. Feel free to stop by and say hi. As we say hi to open up our number three with our wonderful friend Mark Wolf, who is chairman of the Board of Trustees of the Jewish Federation of North America, of course, in the Board of Trustees of Yeshiva University, and involved in uh, informal and or informal ways in many, many amazing causes in the Jewish world. He's, of course, also owner of the Minnesota Vikings of the National Football League. And I say good morning. Thank you for having us here, and welcome to JM in the AM. Welcome, welcome to Eitzchayim. Great to see you, and uh, good to, to be with you. I appreciate that. Were, were you happy with the schedule? Can we improve on 7 and 9, or no comment? We, we can certainly <laughs> always improve, and that's the goal. And uh, thank God yesterday was a yontif. We had schedule release, and... We're all excited about the season ahead. Baruch Hashem, of course, we wish you the best of luck. As I always remind you, the Vikings are my favorite NFC team, and I've told you that many, many times. I am so impressed in all seriousness. I even took pictures, um, screenshots of it last night, thinking I'd, I'd quote it. I don't know if it's necessary to quote, but so impressed by your Shavuos message that you released during these, this very, very challenging week for our brothers and sisters in Israel um, it's not always, you know, sometimes people roll their eyes about how established Jewish organizations deal with, with issues of, um, of our spirituality, of our brotherhood and sisterhood with our brothers and sisters in the other part of the world. And, and I think the way you tied in our concern for our brothers and sisters and how active and vocal we need to be on their behalf with the holiday of Shavuos, a holiday of true Torah unity. I thought that was a beautiful message. Well, thank you. And, you know, that's, that's why I'm so passionate about communal work. And we do have to take care of each other. And I think uh, we're here in Eitz Chaim. It's also a place of community. Yep. And I have to give a shout out to Rabbi Klibanoff. <laughs> he is a great community builder, and uh, we're, we're big fans. So, but 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 more broadly, there's no question that's the message here. We're, our hearts and prayers are, of course, to our brothers and sisters and uh, in Eretz Yisrael, and and we're we're obviously watching the news every second and and praying for for better days ahead and peace. The American Jewish community is complicated. No one knows that better than you because you are essentially leading a group of people who come from a lot of different angles, both political angles and backgrounds, etc. It's very complicated. And, And for those who think that it's easy for someone in your position to take strong positions on Israel, especially, frankly, when there's a war going on. It's not always that easy. People need to know that standing up for Israel, first of all, they need to not be discouraged. If they're standing up for Israel and realizing the pushback in the media and the pushback sometimes among our own people, 
that, that's natural. That happens, and that has to be dealt with. But they need to keep the pressure on and need to keep the enthusiasm up. Well, there's no question it's a complex landscape. Uh, I don't know how well your listeners are versed on the most recent Pew study that's just yeah. re- been released this week. We just had a webinar on it a couple of days ago. Very complex community, uh, very complex issues we have to dis- discuss and, and, and work through. The bottom line is we are a community. We have to, I call it a communal tent. The tent has flaps that are open. We have to be as welcoming as we can and try to create a center. I mean, the reality is this past year and a half, uh, the COVID pandemic, uh, any of those divisions really melted away to a large degree. We meet weekly, the National Federation System, with the Prisma Day School Movement, with all the religious stream movements, uh, with the JCC movements. We have a coalition pandemic, and out of that has come a lot of cooperation, which I think has already resulted in great things, human services uh, uh, funding that's been, been, been garnered because we know food insecurity and poverty is a real issue in the Jewish community. Right. There's so many issues to really to, to get at, but the best chance at success is to do it as a community. And the fact that you're telling me from your vantage point that in the last year that has only improved is is heartwarming. I mean, I'm so glad to hear that. I call it a silver lining. Of course, tremendous suffering has gone on and uh, tremendous challenges, both financially and personally, for many, many families and people. And I think the only way, and unfortunately it takes emergencies uh, like what we're unfortunately seeing now in Israel to really bring us together. And uh, this the, the COVID crisis certainly has brought together all the national movements and, and, and organizations in the Jewish community in a way that I think is going to remain uh, to a large degree because it has to. Mark Wolf is with us. Uh, we're here at Congregation Eight Um There is always this impression that for decades Israel relied, even in a financial sense, on American Jewish leadership, federation, etc. It was no secret that UJA Federation raised a lot of money over the years to help our brethren. And now the impression is that that need is not as great, that thank God Israel finds itself in a different position financially when it comes to military security and things like that. Is there today, literally I'm referring to the last week, is there today a financial pressure on federation vis-a-vis Israel, or that piece is not really a high-pressure one right now? Well, of course, you know, the need is now more of a two-way need. We need Israelis, and and the diaspora needs Israel, so there's a combination. Of course, it's important we symbolically as well as financially there is always a financial need of social service everywhere so we right away have launched funding if people want to have a reflex to to, to give right now uh the feder- they should call their local federation and and give back so we've already initiated uh with the victims of terror fund oh, wow. and the israel trauma Co- coalition we do a lot of great work that needs to be uh on the ground right away for people that are victimized by this uh by by these rockets and this terror so there is there is still that reflex in the Jewish community to give back but uh, the broader question is we need each other so uh as much as we give financially we need each other spiritually i think Israelis need to have a better understanding of diaspora Jewry. We're working a lot with the education ministry to make sure that young children in schools in Israel learn about the diaspora, learn about Jewish life right. in North America. That it exists outside Israel. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> when, we, when we bring, you know, in, in other words, we, we bring ministers uh, from Knesset to America, and a lot of them it's their first exposure. Wow, there's a Jewish life. It's very different than what we have in Israel. So these are the eye-opening kind of experiences that we try to create to better understand each other. And I think technology is here to stay, too. Right. Uh, Zooming and communities and schools uh, in Israel and in diaspora to, to learn better about who we are. 
Mark Wolf is with us. No one knows better than your family about the importance of Jewish education. I mean, in all seriousness, if you and I discussed your parents' greatest contribution to the Jewish world, you might say Jewish education is number one, frankly. Uh, is that a feeling you get when you're on those Zoom calls with other leaders around the country? Because, And the reason I bring this up, obviously, is we know how expensive Jewish education is. Often communities feel that federation has an obligation, or at least the federation community has an obligation to address that need going forward. What do you think? Well, I think in North America particularly, our Jewish uh, future really depends on having a strong Jewish education to make sure the next generations are educated about Jewish life. But I think it's also more broadly. I mean, education of all kinds make our society better too. So, you know, when, when you see 11% uh, of Americans saying that the Jews caused the Holocaust, it really gives you pause. So even, even with my hat uh, in the sports business, mm-hmm. you know, we take every year uh, our Viking players and people from Minnesota, we bring them, we have, a, we have a trip we do to the African American Museum in Washington, and then we go to the Holocaust Museum. And then we have dialoguing about, uh, conversation about intolerance and discrimination. And those are the things that we have to all fight. So, but, but, but getting back to your basic question, I'm personally very proud of, of my own family, but also all the great support our schools here in northern New Jersey and all over that we really need to support and make sure Jewish education is thriving. It's a big stress on families economically, and uh, we need to provide scholarship and make sure uh, that that the continuity is there. The rabbis that uh, were at the pulpit when your parents were in synagogue decades ago, it, it was their mantra. Jewish education is the, is, is the key. Jewish education is the, the most important thing we need to focus on, and they've been proven right, of course. Well, the more things change, the more they stay the same. <laughs> That's true. And I think the reality is there's a lot of change. It's a very turbulent time. You see social media. You see so many distractions, so many rabbit holes our young, young people can go into, and, and there are echo chambers out there you have to avoid. And I think uh, that's what we are as a people is we're people of the book, and we, we need to make sure young people, and, and not just people of the book, but also, and what, what's great about Eitz Chaim, and, and, and I think uh, in, a, in a lot of ways is about education, but also we're also in a real world too, a recognition that we're in a, a world and a society we have to be part of. Life is not lived in a vacuum. That's correct. You know, you raised a point, and, and you really don't have to comment on this because honestly it may just be better if you don't, but... You raised the point, this came up in the car on the way here. There's a star of a team that, that I root for who posted yesterday Free Palestine and you know, took up the, the cause, so to speak. And, and we were discussing, Yoni and I, you know, what would the best response would be. And I think you're right, that dialogue, education, you know, sitting down and making someone understand that you know, there are people in, in this situation who are in, you know, in, in, a, in a really challenging and difficult time. And, and I think what you're saying in terms of just being educated and trying to educate others might be the best approach. Well, I mean, the, the, that, that's the truth. I mean, the fact is history repeats itself or it certainly has a, has, has a rhyme to it. Right. And it's because every new generation has to be educated. And people ask me all the time, well, what if a player came out with this or that? It's about sitting down, communicating. People are sometimes misguided or don't know all the facts and we have to better understand each other so um the the, the pers- and i i've also been opened in my eyes on the racial front for instance right. uh we had in minnesota the whole the george sure. floyd and that's been such a focus uh, on our team and our, our community there um that's something that opens your eyes to say you know what 
we all have challenges in our community, and we have to talk things through. So, yes, it's very upsetting to see those kind of things. Right. A lot of, you know, we're, you have to have a, an eye also on the social justice uh, community to make sure that on the Israel front that they understand what Israel's about and not to single out or discriminate Israel because it's Israel, but to, to treat it like it would treat any other nation in a proper way. Right. And uh, so there's some delegitimization that is singling us out, which in my mind is a form of anti-Semitism. Let's not uh, right. mince words about what it is, and we have to talk through things and uh, explain who we are and where we're about as well. And Israel has a right to defend itself. It's a sovereign nation, and uh, people need security as well. Isn't it funny how the sports teams, and I'm sure that, well, maybe this wasn't a surprise to you when, when you went into the business, but you know, who knew that if you're a leader of a sports team, you're going to be involved in local issues that are you know, sometimes really incendiary issues? Well, it's a power pl- powerful platform. Mm-hmm. You're in the public domain, but with that comes a responsibility and also some some great challenges. There's there's a there's a there's there's a cost in that sense that you, there's some very real difficult issues you have to work through. And um, but we're, you know we're, we're very uh, proud of the platform and also to tra- to take if you will Jewish values, but also you know, values generally of of, of justice and 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 and, and tolerance. And using that platform to try to advance that in our small way in society. So there's a power to that, but there's a responsibility that comes with that. How long would it take me to drive from here to uh, the Viking Stadium? I, yeah. How long would that take? Would it take a while? It would take. It would be, a, it would be quite a road trip. It would take a while. I don't. I don't know your driving skills or your. <laughs> and final word about eight time yeah. because you know I've had the pleasure of being here for a Shabbos, and you know that I had the pleasure of being as uh, in one of the um, traditional and. Uh, and um, and beloved family dinners, and I say family because Eitzchayim is a family family Friday night dinners here. Uh, final word. You know why we're here today? We're here to really pay tribute to a great synagogue. What would you say about it? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna use talk about Eitzchayim via our head coach and, and quarterback Rabbi Klebanov. <laughs> he's uh, both. <laughs> what what could now be a player coach? I didn't he's even a, realize that he's player coach. <laughs> uh, and and I, I I say that because you know. When people wonder what does a congregational rabbi do, I don't think people realize uh, all the time all the things that go on. And he's been so so wonderful to my family personally. But but especially the, the during the initial days of the pandemic, it was really a very turbulent time for all of us, everybody, uh, yeah. no matter their circumstance. And he had those regular video messages and the regular conversations. And I can tell you, it was really a lifesaver for many of my friends, my, our community, and, and, and just the spirit that is needed to be upheld. And never mind what the, the synagogue does in the community. So very proud to be part of Eitz Chaim and very uh, honored to be, uh, to, to, to be, be in Rabbi Klibanoff and, and the congregation's uh, world. It's a, it's a great community, and I'm not sure if we're looking to support it here today, but anyone who's on, on the phone that is part of Eitz Chaim, make sure... Keep supporting Eight Slime. Yeah, keep it going. It's a warm synagogue and a very, uh, a very committed synagogue to the growth of a Jewish community and the education of our Jewish children. Uh, Mark Wolf, I thank you. I hope we can continue our commitment that if the Jets play Minnesota in the Super Bowl, we will both be at the game, right? I need to rely on you. I can't get you to the game, but if the Jets play Minnesota, let's make a commitment that we're both at the game. Amen. There Amen. you go. All right. That's good enough for me. Thanks so much for being here today. Thank you for Mark having me. Mark Wolf is, of course, the chairman of the Board of Trustees of the Jewish Federation of North America and his uh, involvement in leadership roles in so many organizations is well known and I thank you for being here. Very proud as you heard of the uh, congregation Eitz Chaim. 
and the um, and Rabbi Sam Klibanoff. More coming up. You're listening to JM in the AM. We are uh, we are uh, on the road all day today, so to speak, until. 9 a.m. right here at Eight Time in Livingston, and then later on, live lunch happening at Deluxe Bistro on Madison Avenue in Lakewood, New Jersey. Join us from 11 until 1 at the Deluxe Bistro, Madison Avenue in Lakewood, New Jersey. It is America. Oh, we did that already. Go right ahead. There we go. Oh, baby. 
JM in the AM, hour number three. Congregation Eitz Chaim in uh, Livingston, New Jersey. Search them online. You'll be impressed. They have Dr. Erica Brown here this Shavuos, starting on uh, Sunday night. June 9th is their Welcome Back Barbecue because they have been handling the COVID situation remarkably well. So they're ready for a full-blown Welcome Back event coming up on the 9th of June. And we'll speak to Rabbi Klibanoff coming up as well before we wrap things up on this uh, Thursday morning. Reminder from our friends at Art Scroll: they are providing for everybody a free download, a sampler of some of their great cookbooks or I should say some of their great cookbook recipes for the holiday of Shavuos. Go to artscroll.com. Go to artscroll.com. When you go, if you order anything, always use promo code radio. Again, best piece of advice I can give you, always use promo code radio. Yoni tells me if you go to Instagram, Nahum Single Network on Instagram, again, go to Instagram, Nahum Single Network, and if you do, you'll see some of the behind-the-scenes activities that go into setting up a radio show. Uh, especially when we're setting up a radio show in the vestibule of Congregation 8's Heim in Livingston, New Jersey. Go to Instagram, check out Nahum Siegel Network, and you'll see some of the behind-the-scenes activities that really started early this morning, 5 a.m.-ish, and have been going on until now. 8's Heim has youth directors. All great shuls have great youth directors. <laughs> and uh, Miriam and Jacob Schwartz are the youth directors here at 8's Heim. Good morning to you both. Good morning. Good morning. How long have you been youth directors at Eitz Chaim? Since September. And how have things been going? You know, I don't know if anyone told you, it's been a very <laughs> challenging year. It's how a, have things been going at Eitz Chaim in their youth department? It's, it's been very interesting for sure, but I think that as you've spoken to and as I've, I've heard a few others speak to, Eitz Chaim has done a phenomenal job handling the pandemic from a logistic standpoint and most importantly from the standpoint of p- keeping community members and people of all ages engaged. And so one of the things and one of the challenges for us that I think that, you know, with Rabbi Klibanoff and with the board's help, we've really been able to rise to the occasion is how do we come in starting as new youth directors during the pandemic, building relationships with people in the community, with the youth, with parents, with families, um, and, and allowing them to be connected. And then as we transition out of this, how do we begin to, to reintegrate the youth and the families back into show life? What does that look like going forward and in, if you in have a, a safe and enjoyable way? And if you dedicate a lot of forethought to it, you can come up with a really good system. It seems that you're on the way to doing that. Where, where, what community are you from? Where did you grow up? What uh, area of this? So I, I grew up in Texas, South Texas, a little, little out of the box, San Antonio. Seriously? Yeah, my family's been there for like seven or eight generations. Did they have a great youth department or not? Uh, the, the Jewish community is a little smaller there. Rabbi Grossman. <laughs> a little bit smaller. Wasn't Rabbi Grossman the long ago rabbi in San Antonio, if I'm not mistaken, who Could ended be. up in uh, Memphis, Tennessee? And where are you from originally? Um, I grew up in New York. Oh, New York City? Y- no, in Great Neck, Long Island. Oh, Great Neck, Long yeah. Island. They must have had a great youth department <laughs> yes, out there. Yes, they do. Did you, learn a, did you learn a lot from your experience growing up in that synagogue? Yeah, more. My father's a rabbi, so more from yeah. that, more from him than, than from the youth department. But yes, thank the, God. There you go. And we said earlier, and the director of your youth committee uh, was on talking about, and I quoted a, a long ago rabbi who said the most important thing about building a shul is to make sure that the Jewish children are having a good time in synagogue. Absolutely. And I compared my experience growing up to what she was saying about her own kids, that they just love Absolutely. coming to shul. Yes. How do youth directors create an atmosphere where the kids want to show up? Definitely. I, th- I think that one of the things for us, you know, we worked for NCSY before this, right. we, we've been working in, in Jewish youth and outreach for a while. And I think the the most important thing we found is to do it on their terms. So one of the things that we like to do is whenever we, we 
run programs or work on things, we, we talk to the kids and say, we know what your parents want. We know what the communities want. What do you guys want? What's going to be meaningful to you? What's going to be something that you're going to engage with? So for example, for Shavuot this week, we have, uh, we have all night learning. And one of the teens reached out and was like, you know, what are the shears going to be? And I said, well, what do you want the shears to be? What do you want us to talk about? What do we want to do? And he said, nobody's asked me that. And so we sat and we, we came up last night for like a half hour. What are we going to talk about? So I think that it's really about trying to do something that they're going to want to engage with because youth changes very quickly and what's popular and what's happening. And we want to make sure that it's not only coming to shoals enjoyable, but Judaism is enjoyable to them. So it's a question of how do we do that on their terms? And so how the can kids, we engage them? If the kids can control the agenda, Judaism can be enjoyable. Exactly. Absolutely. Boy, it takes a generation to learn this because I don't know if the youth directors in prior generations <laughs> knew, knew this formula, frankly. I don't know. I don't we know. feel <laughs> like we're still in high school, so it's a little bit easier. <laughs> so you're wondering what would my classmates yeah, enjoy, yeah. right? What would I enjoy is really <laughs> what I'm would, thinking. Or what would you enjoy? The most – and again, I know it's COVID and all that, but you know, people listening are like uh, – uh, are wondering, can they get an idea from you guys? What's the most innovative, creative, craziest thing? I don't know. Is there something in the works, in the plans, or you know, a unique program that you think you know, will literally be unique for, your, uh, for the kids here? Absolutely. So we actually started recently. I think there's two, there's two that I can speak to. One of them is we were able to start a Teen Minion again. Ah, which was which was amazing and in a distance way have an outdoor um programs afterwards some speaking and so again with that you know the, one of the right. things that we do I, I like to be up we like to be up speaking as little as possible so uh so i got up and i gave the Torah the first week and i said this is the last time you're gonna hear me speak i want one of you guys to give it each week so now we sit down and work with one of them to give it to Torah there um and one of the things that we did that's different is instead of having a full teen minion we actually do um shakrit and and laning with the with the main show so that they can be in and experiencing and being a full part of the community and then we do our own musaf and afterwards so they can still have their own um and so we try and combine and really make it part of the community as well i'm going to give jacob a shout out here but um we also do something every few sundays it's a father son or parent child minion sunday morning a nice. little bit later than the main minion um and that's really special because you're getting families out who might not be coming to the regular Minion, or you're getting kids out who want to sleep in on a Sunday morning, which we understand. And it's a really, really special. We have breakfast to go, and that's a little bit more out of the box. That's been really special. Yeah, out of the box is right. In fact, I'm wondering which kids would love to show up to shul on a Sunday. <laughs> we get some really good food, yeah. and, I, I, and they come. <laughs> but, but, but this is my message here from Eitz Chaim to other synagogues in America. Make it available to kids. Absolutely. Even stuff that you think they are not going to be attracted Absolutely. to. Right. Open the door. They're going to step in. Open right. the door, and they're going to find that, you know, it's a place I like to hang out. Absolutely. In. Especially with COVID, we found that we just try. We just try everything. Right. And we just try, try, try. And so far, it's going great. It Thank really God. it really stems from my father. He always said that when he was he went to the University of Michigan, and he said the Hillel director there used to say, I'm here to do whatever you guys want to do. I don't care if you don't like my play. Tell me whatever you want to do, we'll make happen. And so I think that's the biggest thing is we want to do. We want to be facilitators. And, and people have praised Jewish life on that campus, exactly, by the way. People exactly. have said it's, it's, it's in the positive direction. Yes, yes, yes. So, yeah, there's no question. It's a, it's a good formula. Uh, speaking with Miriam and Jacob Schwartz, the youth directors here at uh, Eitz Chaim. Okay, finally, both of you give us your impressions of the community. We've been talking about warm. We've been talking about the rabbi, with the Rebbitzin. I mean, from your vantage point, you're newbies. What could you say about Eitz Chaim and Livingston? Absolutely. Um, I think we definitely explored different communities. We were deciding. Where, where we wanted to live and I could say it's warm it's amazing it's a happy place I'm sure you've heard all of that okay. but I think what's so special about this synagogue and this community is that nobody is ever alone when they're trying to do something if we're trying to plan a program there's at least five families 
the rabbi, of course, the Rebbitzin, the assistant rabbi, but it's also just community members who want to be a part of it, who want to help. I have never, ever felt, I'm sure you can agree, like we were on our own doing anything. And we're new. What a feeling that yeah. is. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we speak to other friends who are youth directors and they have great experiences too, but it's just this feeling of just like open arms, come here, great job, how can we help? And it's really special, really unique to the community. A yeah. pleasure to meet both of you <laughs> and continued success in leading the youth of Eitz Chaim. Thank you. Thank, Thank really you. Nice. Miriam and Jacob Schwartz. So wrong with this mic or I'm all right? It sounds good. Good. Miriam and Jacob Schwartz are youth directors here at Eitz Chaim, Livingston, New Jersey. More coming up. You're listening to JM in the AM. Your 
J.M. in the A.M. Bar Yochai, Avram Rosenblum and Diaspora. Day 46 in the counting of the Omer. That's six weeks and four days. Day number 46 in the counting of the Omer. Our friends at ShopBiclers.com are wrapping up their big set sale. Shas, Mikros, Gadola, Shulchan Aruch, Tour. It's all available now at ShopBiclers.com. Where they pride themselves on same-day delivery to many, many neighborhoods and communities in both New York and New Jersey. Go to shopbiclers.com. Again, shopbiclers.com and enjoy the mega shot sale, as they call it, is on and concluding today. Oh, actually concluding tomorrow. I should get the information right, shouldn't I? Uh, concluding tomorrow. Uh, this portion of NSN programming brought to you by our friends at A&H. Abel's and Hyman Kosher Hot Dog Sausage and Deli is the world's best, serving the kosher world since 1954. Available at Better Kosher Supermarkets nationwide. Try A&H today. Uh, we're on the road basically for the entire day. Uh, not to the chagrin of my staff, but to the delight of our staff, including amazing people that are uh, doing their roles in perfect fashion today, like Mary Mel Wallach, our producer who's going to be traveling along with us to Lakewood, like uh, Yoni Pollock, our engineer and director of operations, will be traveling along with us to Lakewood, like Avrami, who unfortunately will not be traveling with us to Lakewood. But a big thank you to Avrami and everybody, of course, who's helping out to make sure that our live remotes uh, continue to sound and come off uh, as best as possible. It is much appreciated. So today, 9 a.m., we wrap up here at Congregation 8 Chaim in Livingston, New Jersey, and then at 11 a.m., you can expect to hear from us on the Nahum Siegel Network from Deluxe Bistro, which is on Madison Avenue in Lakewood, New Jersey. Now Lakewood, New Jersey has destination kosher dining. Imagine that. So join us, 11 until 1, Deluxe Bistro, Madison Avenue in Lakewood, New Jersey. Well, we've met a lot of amazing uh, leaders today in the Eitz Chaim community and the Jewish community in general. Um, our next guest is a leader, many organizations and causes, but for us, he is somebody who never, ever passes up an opportunity to enthusiastically support and laud the work of the Nahum Siegel Network, and for that, we are always thankful. Our wonderful friend, Murray Halpern, is here at Congregation 8 Time. Thank you for welcoming us here, and it's a pleasure to have you, you on the air. Thank you, Nahum. Thank you for the wonderful introduction. Yeah. Wonderful to... Well uh, actually, I think it probably the first time you actually ever got me on the air <laughs> the only thing i'm thinking of is when pioneers for your cure came out did we yeah. do an interview or not i don't remember now i think maybe when the I, app came out we did when the app came out and uh, uh i'll give credit where credit's due uh to greg wall yep. our friend greg wall yep. uh the uh, oh, I hear rabbi is doing amazing things up there in connecticut 
Yeah, spiritual director rabbi in uh, Westport. Yeah, I believe uh, really got that uh, shul to another madrega. Yeah, no question about that. Um, so I am here, number one, to continue to laud the uh, amazing community in Livingston and the congregation it's um, here in Livingston, but I'm also here to say thank you to you. Uh, it's no joke when I say you find every excuse to enthusiastically support and laud the work that we do, and I don't take that lightly. I actually I was asked yesterday because we bring along different things when we come to uh, visit communities, different keepsakes, etc. Mm-hmm. And someone in the studio asked me yesterday, you know, what do you want to do uh, with the Dubai material we have? And I said, you must take it with you because I need to present to Murray Halpern, <laughs> who, of course, because we had a special project to visit Dubai in December, made sure to support us. And it's our way of saying thank you for that and all the other projects that, <laughs> that, you, that you support for us. So a big thank you to you for that. You're very welcome. God bless my privilege to support it. And when you said that you realized that, that, you know, soon everybody will be doing shows from Dubai. <laughs> I want to be first. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> so that's, I made a selfish plea, a and you went with it, thank y- God. Y- you're also a pioneer. <laughs> I thank you for that as well. Murray, you must be feeling so disconnected from the Holy Land, 15 months or more since you've been there, 15 months or more since I've been there. It's a really strange feeling for people like us not to physically be in Israel. Well, uh, thank you for, for giving me an opportunity to speak sure. about uh, the Medinat Yisrael sure. uh, at the time like this, uh, uh, at this moment. And and thank God, really, the last flight I took was a trip to Israel in February of 20. Right. And uh, uh, and and I remember I, I, I said to uh, to my wife, to Batsheva, uh, on our way to the airport, I hope we can get back in next week. You know, and and that we did get back in, but right. a couple of weeks later, travel was all shut down. So uh, thank God that uh, I was there as recently as I was, and and I do hope uh, you know fully vaccinated and whatever we can uh, hopefully get back there even this year. Please God for simchas. Yeah, I'm into to that, and it's unusual for you not to be there for at least a yunta for two during the year, and of course all that uh, came to a, a screeching halt. For all of us, we, we mentioned, I mean, David was on early and we had an opportunity to speak about your family history. And one of the things you could speak to is just how much Israel was important to your family growing up. And I'm not just talking now about being there physically. Thank God you had an opportunity with your family to be there many times, but always to be focused. You mentioned this week, we are praying for the safety and security of our brothers and sisters. Your attention is obviously on Israel this week. Tell me about growing up in a home here that concentrated so much on what was going on there. Oh, well, yeah, I, I went uh, to Yeshiva here in New Jersey and uh, uh, grew up in Elizabethan Hillside and uh, went to Israel. I I don't even know how many times. I mean, 50 times by the time I was in high school, you know, something like that, a couple times a year at least. And uh, yontifs and things like that uh, from when I was, I mean, today you couldn't do it. I was like a four or five-year-old kid with a couple of lira in my uh, hand that I could go across uh, Hayar Khan down to uh, uh, Ben Yehuda and get some uh, um you know, that bubble, the bubble gum, the, <laughs> yeah. well, the bazooka, right. the bazooka bubble gum, and then walk back to the hotel. You know, so, yeah, what's the big deal? I'm already four or five years old. <laughs> so today we don't do that, really. But, uh, you know, so it's ingrained in me. And uh, thank God that my, my kids are, you know, I married Israeli uh, woman. Right. And very, right. very wonderful, strong, lovely Israeli woman, Batsheva. And 
Love you, honey. <laughs> and uh, and so our kids are all eligible uh, for the draft. <laughs> That's right. Imagine that. Yeah. <laughs> all the benefits, huh? <laughs> but uh, really, uh, uh, you know, there are so many wonderful memories, but it's the memories to be made that are important and the opportunities ahead of us that, uh, look, it's a, it's a incredibly unique moment. The, the, the various media I'm, I'm watching and listening to. Yeah. Uh, that Lots of opinions out there. Yeah, huh? that, that it's, look, every time it's always going to be a little different, but this one's a little different with the internal uh, unrest. Right. Uh, and look, maybe we're just not old enough to remember, but probably uh, there was other uh, times like this, right. but with the... Right now, it's this generation. They're calling it the. Some people are calling it the, the TikTok Intifada. Right. So uh, that's where it looks like it's taking place most. Uh, there are a lot of social media that was never available. You got a lot of teenagers, uh, and uh, apparently you have. Uh, I don't want to call them uh, what are protesters, rabble rousers, whatever you want to call them, youth on both sides. And after a year of pandemic, nobody, you know, people are fed up. People are fed up with everything. So uh, I think it, it was reflected last summer in American unrest. Right. And, and oh, let's see. It's uh, being expressed now. Yeah. yeah. But overall, big headline is, yeah, Tov, it will be good. <laughs> Details to follow. <laughs> you always believe that. Okay. And I think yeah. you're right. We yeah. just have to remember it. Tell me about this community. Uh, I know Itzhayim is a very has a very special place in your heart as a synagogue. Livingston in general, you've always been a very big fan. Tell me, tell everybody listening what it's like to be a part of this community. It's just great, and uh, thank God. Uh, uh, you know, I, I was here from the first. Uh, you know, I'm not I'm not one of the founders uh, technically, but I was here from the the first uh, minions and uh, yontifs over. I don't know seems like 20 years ago but something like that yeah. uh and when we started in a little house right. a little secret shul and uh we outgrew that by the time we got to 80 families and i think we're on our way to 180 families uh Hara. so uh um and now we're in this beautiful building i think the buildings already had a bar mitzvah and uh and you know there's still opportunities right here on the on the simple wall plenty of sponsorship chances <laughs> yeah, huh? yeah that's uh <laughs> There's a sale every Adar. Just, just wait for it. That's how it works. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, thank God, uh, it's it's just a great shul, and uh, we have the tremendous uh, leadership of uh, Rabbi Klibanoff and uh, Baruch Hashem and his wonderful family, and uh, and and really, uh, and it was the rabbi who uh, really uh, introduced us. You know, I certainly knew who you were, but uh, we've gotten to know each other. Thank God, and. It's look. This is uh, this is a shul where where really everyone should feel comfortable uh, walking in here because uh, uh, no matter how you got here, you all walk in here, and and uh, I'm told those who do walk in feel very welcome. Yeah, that that's we're all about that, uh, and and it's and this shul has really gone undergone at this time another a generational shift, right? Uh, um, with you a know, bright future, we should say. Bright, right. very bright future. Are you know, our new rabbis in right. his like seventh year, I think, right. and uh, uh, so so thank God all settled in, and um, we have. Uh, I, I see here the list of, of of the people who were here today. Uh, Good you know, our, our of past folks. our yeah. past presidents. <laughs> you know, our Rebetzin, uh our current presidents. Uh, 
some of my mishpacha, uh, my brother uh, David and my nephew Jeremy, uh, you know, I would say a, a founder and uh, maybe a future Next president. Right. Most likely. <laughs> when, most it, when, likely. He's, when he's done with the, with the school gate, <laughs> right. yes. Uh, but uh, thank God, uh, it's a great community. And I see our, our uh, assistant rabbi, Rabbi Bernstein, he's just, he, he's really, maybe here. Made so, a very good impression Just this since morning. last summer, yep. yeah. And uh, so there is a bright future, to say the least. Thank God. No, I think things are definitely uh, uh, moving forward. We, you know, the rabbi said at one point when, when the whole world had to shut down and, and all, uh, you know, I think the committee of rabbis uh, agreed in one right. day, in right. one day, there was an email, pause, right? all shuls are shutting down. Right. Uh, and that was the case for several months. And then I remember when the rabbi told me, well, you know what? We've been reopened longer than we were closed. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God we got to that point. Murray, can't thank you enough for being here, for God all your support you. and friendship. God, God bless you. Thank you. Thank you for being one of the backbones of what we do. It's so appreciated. Pleasure to be here. The and future I, is bright. And I'm going to wrap up this conversation with a couple of minutes from a song that's going to be very meaningful to you. Oh. This, is a, this is what I would call the theme of Pioneers for a Cure that you released years ago. And believe you me, these words are very important this week, to say the least. And here it is at JM in the AM.
Am Israel Chai. For those of you who remember the Project Pioneers for a Cure, that, in my opinion, was the theme of that collection under the leadership of Murray Halpern, who was just with us a moment ago. You can actually look it up. Search for it. There's also an app, Pioneers for a Cure. Great cause and uh, an amazing musical presentation. Rabbi Sam Klebanoff is the spiritual leader of Congregation Eitzchayim here in Livingston, New Jersey. We spoke with him earlier in the first hour. But boy, a lot has happened since the last time we spoke to Rabbi Klebanoff. We had the Rebetzin on since then. We've had the presidents on since then. We've had youth directors on since then. We've had leaders, including Murray, on since then. And now, almost three hours later, Rabbi Klebanoff, we are back, circling back to the leader of Congregation Eitz Chaim. And this is exactly what I thought would happen. We found out a lot about this community, and we found out a lot about how important it is to be involved in so many important Jewish causes this morning. So I thank you for that. And uh, we're so appreciative of your being here and spreading the message of who we are and uh, the importance of getting involved. Off the air, and we might have an opportunity to speak about this in the next year or two, off the air you said to me that this community has an even brighter future than you think, Nahum. Uh, Is that anything that you would discuss now publicly, or you would simply say, those searching for a community pay careful attention over the next couple of years to Livingston, New Jersey. For now, let's go with the latter statement. Okay. But uh, we are definitely in a growth mode, and the future is very bright. We have, as you heard, an incredible team here. And despite the limitations of this past year, uh, we've been able to accomplish uh, tremendous things. And I can only imagine now when the restrictions are going to be lifted and we could really open up and really show what we got, um, it's just the, the, the possibilities are endless for us. And we spoke to a lot of people that are part of the team here that you just described, but you're also, and this must be a great feeling as a community rabbi, you're also surrounded by great schools, you're surrounded by great Jewish organizations, you're surrounded by good kosher and Jewish amenities, which we never even discussed really this morning. I think one person alluded to it, but everything you need to be a Jew in a comfortable situation in a community, you have it here. There's we nothing have, that's missing. The infrastructure is here. There's right. no question about it. I mean, I know you're always talking about uh, Aaron's Casino Farms. <laughs> Aaron's West Orange. That's here we right. are. It's right here. They so. sometimes get a shout-out as well. <laughs> yes. Um, so, and, and we have uh, everything is in place. And that's why we know that the future is so bright for us. And uh, it's, it, I, I want to share a little Devar Torah with you. Sure. Uh, something that I heard from, read from Rabbi Lamb, Zechron Levracha, a number of years ago. Wow. And today on the calendar is known as Yom HaMiyuchas. Right. Today's Yom HaMiyuchas. And he writes, what's so special about Yom HaMiyuchas? And it, his basic idea was that yesterday was Rosh Chodesh, and then after that is the Shlosh Yisimei HaGbala. Right. And because you're surrounded by good things, that makes you Miyuchas. So when we surround ourselves by good people, by great people, great organizations... That, in turn, makes us great, and then we could surround others. We are miyuchas in that sense. And I also have it's to say great that vart. it's, it's, great it's one, of my, one of my favorite, top ten. Um, we've also discussed, and you've mentioned it before, that there are no coincidences. Right. And I feel that it's destiny, but it's hashgacha pratis. It's divine providence, how, why I'm here and why you're here and why Miriam is here. Over 30, I shouldn't say, over 30 a years time ago. <laughs> in a galaxy far, <laughs> far away, a I, was, I was a typical student in a modern Orthodox high school, basically interested in not much. And in 12th grade, I had a teacher for Jewish history who, for the first time in probably my you know, adolescent life, got me thinking about 
what it means to be Jewish, where I come from, and where it is that I'm going. And that teacher changed my life. That teacher also happened to host a uh, radio program at Uppsala College in <laughs> East Orange, New Jersey. And my friend Judah Libin and I would often go. And Remember you would, that? You, you would take out this that's box. That's old, old, old studio. That's the first time I saw 280 in my life. I couldn't figure it out then. That's, and that look where you are. You pass it every day uh, practically. <laughs> and you had this box of cassette tapes yeah. that you were going to play. And our relationship from then. And by the way, and Miriam and I grew up around the corner from one another. All right. So, and, and things are always happening that we come, you know, our, our paths are intersecting and your, your history, your family history here in this neighborhood. And now that we're back here and look at what we've been able to accomplish. And, and, and so much of what I have, what I've been able to do is because of you. It really, it really, and I mean that sincerely is because you inspired me to want to do more for the Jewish world. And that's not something that I take for granted, and I don't say that lightly. And we, that's why we go out of our way to support you. I'll, I'll even explain the lengths at which we went to support you. That we have in the shul, we like our we like our recreation like anyone else. This is so great. So we had a, so we have this ongoing um, golf match um, <laughs> between you know two myself and and Dr. Josh Brickman, fierce competitors. <laughs> yes, and and against another team that doesn't want to be mentioned because they They're lost. <laughs> Alan Shaw and Ari Wise. <laughs> who don't want to be met. And so we have this ongoing competition where we play our club against their club, et cetera. So we had a match, and, and it's always a friendly match with a wager, and we wager for Tzedakah. Uh, we wagered for United Hatzalah right. last time. So we had a match recently, yesterday, uh, and the stakes were Nachum Siegel Network. Wow. At the Mountain Ridge Country Club. I got up to tee up first. I'm not. I'm a very humble person, but you know, in competition, not you're playing for us. So when I birdied the first hole, a birdie, at least a birdie, if you played for us. <laughs> and they started thinking, like, oh, what's going to happen? But you know, it was a very, very close match back and forth. Uh, but we ended up, Dr. Brickman and I, we ended up winning one up. And uh, Baruch Hashem, there's uh, more support coming your way. Uh, but you know, right. we but but we strongly believe in that. You know, even we take our recreation that we direct it towards greater causes towards tzedakah, towards people that make a difference in the Jewish world. And I don't know if my wife said this earlier, I was davening, but she always says, you're the rabbi of Klal Yisrael. She did say that. It's, I always joke about being speechless, but you're leaving me speechless this morning, I'll tell you that much. It's, I, I don't know what to say about all these accolades. I, I, I do have to say, because there's so many important lessons from what you're, from what you're telling us this morning, appreciate great teachers appreciate the teachers that are changing the lives of your children, even if it takes years for those lives to be changed. When they look back and they tell you about the one or two, if you're lucky as a kid, you have one or two, teachers that really made a difference for you, pay careful attention to that because parents, there is nobody you should be more thankful to than the teachers that help change your child's life in a positive manner. So that's the first thing. And there are some good teachers out there, thank God. And the other thing is that... um, there's a there's a there's something to fate. There's something to coincidence or hashkacha, whatever you want to call it, where um, where old kshurim, as I like to say, old ties become very valuable ties later in life. And having you as one of those old ties is an an incredible feeling. The sense of pride that I have walking into this building. I, I wouldn't even say to you on the air how I refer to this building because you'll be embarrassed. <laughs> but, but walking into this building and seeing what you are doing on a daily basis, having someone at your side studying Torah all day with people, and you hear how enthusiastic I am because I know how critical it is the development of a shul and the development of a community. 
and having a main sanctuary that is always filled with the wonderful noise of tefillah, especially in a week like this, and having programs that are led by so many wonderful people who are making such a difference for youth and for adults is just remarkable. I said to you yesterday, and I'm from a rabbinic family, and I'm from a family of leaders, so I know this really well. It is a rare skill to be able to build a community. And Baruch Hashem, you have that skill and you're implementing it really well. And if I could add one thing to your beautiful lesson is don't underestimate the value of your words and the effect it could have on people. You know this campaign you had uh, before Yantif about doing kindness for others. And you know that it originated from within these walls. Correct. And if I, I can't say who it was. Of course not. Of course not. <laughs> we'll get in trouble. <laughs> but one of the things that happened, and talk about Hashgacha, I, I, I'll be honest, I'm in Avelis. So I haven't listened right. to the program much because of the music. Right. And one day I happened to turn it on and I heard you speaking to, about Met Council. Right. And because of this initiative with someone in our school, et cetera, we took it upon ourselves to raise money for Met Council and we were able before Pesach to sponsor over 200 families to have food for Pesach. And that's because of you, because I happened to turn it on that day, and you were talking about it. Otherwise, I would not have even paid attention. Amazing. I assume, because we have no choice but to wrap up, I assume information about Eitz Chaim is available on the web, as we call it. Absolutely. And we're actually going through a major uh, web redesign nice. right now. Uh, so just wait and see how, how great that's going to be. Enjoy Shvuas. We think Dr. Erica Brown is amazing. So enjoy Shvuas. And uh, just keep us up to date on all the wonderful things happening here. And thank you for having us here this morning. And thank you and for your holy, holy work that you do for all of Kalal Yisrael uh, here and in Israel. Thank you so much. Our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSegal.com and the NachumSegal Network. And, of course, on the beloved NSN app. And a big thank you to Rabbi Klibanoff. And a big thank you to the Presidium. And the members and everybody here at uh, at uh, Eitz Chaim in Livingston, New Jersey. You can bring it up. In, in Livingston, New Jersey. Have we lost our volume? I'm not quite sure what's going on. Oh, we're, we're fine? I don't hear anything. Uh, in Livingston, New Jersey for an incredible morning here at JM and the AM. It is much appreciated. And we had an incredible visit. 11 o'clock will be at Deluxe Bistro, Madison Avenue in Lakewood, New Jersey. Join us between 11 and 1 today for our live lunch from Lakewood. And a big thank you to Miriam Al-Wallach, Theoni Pollock, Avrami Finkelstein, and everybody who helped make today's show sound as great as it has. Uh, tomorrow morning, we're back with plenty of talk regarding Israel. Malcolm Honline will be with us, and we'll have uh, plenty of discussion about what's happening. Continue to pray for our brothers and sisters in Israel, and continue to pray for the IDF and IAF to be able to deter and to eradicate the enemy as soon as possible. Have a fabulous Thursday. Till tomorrow, I'm going to go remind you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.